Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth? Hello! We are back. It is, uh, it's another Monday. It's another Monday. Uh, it has just gone seven o'clock. Um, yeah. Carlo, how are you? Uh, how are you doing today? Good. Yeah, I'm just uh, waiting for all the uh, new intro when memes in the chat. Uh, I know, right? I know. Someone, someone might have guessed, but I was actually away somewhere this weekend, which is my only real time to to work on stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately, guys, it's uh, it's not this week. Um, hopefully, next week on. though. Yeah, that's next the, week. the plan. Is next. The honest Always plan next is week. next week. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, mind you, I'll say that I've got a massive assignment due in on Monday, so we'll see how that comes out. But uh, <laughs> um, yes, hello, hello, hello to everybody. Uh, I'm feeling a tad under the weather. I have to admit, my voice, you can probably tell, is going a little bit. Um, I was a lot more tired today than I thought, and then I had the most possible boring day you could possibly imagine. Uh, and Carlo's still in his pajamas, so... <laughs> I'm always in my pajamas, guys. I'm not gonna lie. Like, <laughs> even when he's out of bed, I get up. I get up early afternoon, do a couple of hours work, and then switch on Tony Grounds and getting dressed never gets uh, never gets a look in. Fair, fair. Um, Carlo, new camera says Belisarius. No, no, yeah. this is just what he looks like clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, new lighting. This is natural light from the window for once. Oh wow, look at that! Actual, actual shadows as opposed to uh, being lit by the room. Look at that! Look at that! It's actually bright outside. Yeah, uh, the, it is. It is late May, so the UK actually has some sunshine at mm -hmm. uh, seven o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice actually. Um, yes. Anyway. Um, I'll go through the normal news segment uh, for this week. There we go. That was the news segment for this week. I'm glad you all enjoyed it. We um, didn't even put news for once. It yeah. says tournaments. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, there was no news, really. Um, actually, that's kind of a little bit of a lie. Um, and I say a little bit of a lie because uh, I believe it was last week. <clears throat> Technically, last week, during Tony Grounds, we talked about uh, the post that Song of Ice and Fire, Tabletop Miniatures game, um, official page put out uh, regarding um, the EU championships and everything that went on. Uh, there was a small amount of news since then. Uh, last week, they actually promoted the Italian uh, a national event directly on the CMON webpage, which is fantastic. Um and a little bit of a thing here, they posted up the artwork uh, for the Italian National Championship, which straight up has the Song of Ice and Fire stats logo on it. So there you go. In case you're wondering which one I mean, I mean this one right here <laughs> is, uh, is on the official page. So there's a nice little thing, but that's about as far as... Uh, that's about as far as news goes, really. Um, nothing else major happened in the Song of Ice and Fire world. Except randomly last night, um, Phil sent us a message. Like this is after the tournament. More on that in a second. 
Um, like, there's loads of, like, stock coming in somewhere. I have no idea where he's even getting this stuff uh, anymore. But there are stockists getting things like uh, Bear Riders, I think was the big one, and Drown Men, right? Those are the two big ones, I think. Um, I mean, that's, but it's, that's a restock, it's not... Yeah, it's a restock, but, like, a restock means they're still available, right? <laughs> that's the important bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check out the various retails, retailers that you might check out uh i'm gonna assume the uh the one we're talking about here is russia but not russia uh tonight Ilya. tonight yeah yeah yes oh yeah 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 uh, <laughs> all right then so um we will should we dive in to the event you ran carlo absolutely uh, yeah yeah how, how did you how did you find it went from a from a TO perspective, <laughs> uh, I thought it, I think it went well. You know, uh, there was there was only one person in the entire tournament who you know I hadn't met before. You know, so I, I knew that the level of game understanding was going to be pretty high. Uh, though there were so few rules questions that you know there didn't need to be a TO from that perspective in general. Um, Really, um, like, you know, like, the, there was just, like, some people who wanted to clarify a rule. They weren't even necessarily even, like, at a difference with each each other. Um, nobody really needed uh, a TO, which was useful because I decided to play, um, which, you know, I uh, normally tell people that they shouldn't do as a TO. But, uh, but basically, our last 21st person joined very late made us odd at the very last minute that I had very much set in my mind that I was playing. And I basically had told people that I was playing. Um, so some people were like expecting to play against me in the tournament and stuff like that. So I felt like, you know, I wasn't going to drop out and make us even again um, because of how late it was. But yeah, I uh, some people in uh, Patreon are asking uh, about the buys. Yeah, I mean, I, I took some liberties uh with the um like official buy structure because i effectively chose the buys on the first day to be myself uh daryl and scott uh so that i could get the tournament set up in the first round and that they could uh, keep an eye on the stream in the next two games i felt that we could do that because of the six rounds that we had whereas technically as a 21 player tournament we only need what an a half rounds to get ourselves a single undefeated player um and so you really actually give yourself loads of room to like do non like strict bracket non-strict swiss uh swiss pairing it's actually the point at which swiss pairing becomes really powerful when you run more rounds than you need because uh because it really starts to just force all the top players to play against each other and all people in like their various brackets to play against each other and you start to get a stronger and stronger and stronger finishing position people are less um are like less determined their finishing position by the route that they took like kind of like who they were randomly paired against and how they ended up in like the fifth round because you always have second chances always have uh, a chance to come back and we'll come on to talk about the results, but there was a very interesting finish, which was 
uh, three players went five and one and nobody went undefeated in the whole event, which I think is actually a really good result. Uh, some people might prefer a really clean cut single undefeated winner. Uh, but I think that it was a very, very fair reflection of uh, the kind of event and the players that were there. And from a personal perspective, I got to play more matchups that I wanted to play later on into the event. So I was very happy with that part. I know, uh, uh, without going too much into the uh, results, I know I would have loved an undefeated player and also uh, loved uh, not having to have my last matchup. Because uh, I, I have to admit, uh, not putting shade on the, the matchup at all, I don't. you don't realise how tired you are. Um, I did have a quick look back at the footage of, of the like some of the games and stuff played. And um, you can see towards the end of day one and towards the end of day two, you can actually start to see fatigue kick in for players. And you don't notice it when you play, but it's kind of obvious when you watch someone play and you can see that like, they're like, oh, I'm meant to do, oh shit, I'm meant to do this. And like, these are players that haven't been missing things potentially all day uh, or on other mm -hmm. streams. Um, and again, like it's not something you really notice at the time, I think, but it is definitely something that you can see in players. Um, I don't know that my, myself and, and Tom today, uh, Hilo, uh, I've actually just talked about the fact that we, you know, we are way more knackered than perhaps we thought we might be, um, which is uh, which is a good thing, you know, it's good. It means we've been putting energy and resources into playing the game, but. Uh, takes a lot more out of you than you realize <laughs> um yes uh not say i'm not making excuses but let me tell you it's not an excuse no no not at all um right so the final standings uh anyone who's been on stats knows uh that hilo won um carlo with the other five and one or should we say four and one record <laughs> Yeah, uh, four, one and a bye. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do think that it really was for the best that yeah. Hilo won uh, for a lot of reasons. Firstly, because he beat me. <laughs> Secondly, because Mickey and uh, Hilo both had real five and one records, whereas I actually had four and one and a bye. Um, so, I, I think, you know, it really genuinely would have been uh, not great if I had uh, won the event by a single um a single secondary point based on the fact that i had chosen to give myself a three and four secondary point win in the first round um but uh you know i, th I think it was a very deserved winner and um you know uh i uh I, I think i i think that that incredibly close final finishing position of 16 16 tps and then either 18 18 or 17 uh is um is, you know, just like a, a really good reflection of what the event was. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, no, it was good. Um, it was, uh, it was, I mean, for those of you who didn't know, um, myself, Tom and Carlo uh, at the end of the tournament had all played one another. Uh, the three, the top three players had all played one another. Um, and every single one of us had come away with uh, a victory over one of them. And a loss to the other. It was a three-way kind of like draw, if you will, in the matchups. And every single one of them was a narrow. Um, so, you know, I, I, I got the narrow win over Tom in... We both agree, this is not just me saying this, we both agree a very horrible slogged two-round game. Um, 
that just took a long time to play out. Um, then, Carla, you got the narrow loss to him over a three-round game. Um, and I think the the game before the on the Saturday last game was it? I think. Uh, yeah, it might be three. Yeah. Could have been four. Right. Maybe three. And then uh, me and you played a four-round game, which conveniently I thought was only three rounds at one point. <laughs> um, was uh, and that was again another narrow. So. Um, yeah, no, it was good. Uh, it was a good result um, across the board. So uh, that is good. That is good. Um, you didn't play, Chris, did you? You didn't get to play Elite. No, I, no, I dodged him in the tournament, which I was pleased about for a couple of reasons. One, because I'd played him on Friday night. He came up to the club beforehand. Uh, so I'd already managed to play him, you know, and, uh, and I played him on TTS recently quite a few times. So of all the top players that were there, you know, he was the one matchup that I didn't particularly want to see. And I also didn't want to see him because I wasn't super happy with my Night's Watch matchup. Uh, <laughs> I had some more ideas going ahead uh, uh, that I could improve on. But yeah, you know, I was playing this Euron list and effectively I was really, really all in on needing needing my opponent to fail so discord and in the current meta that just doesn't happen you know like everybody's posting a five up morale so like it's just not going to happen uh, it's a... not reliable enough it's not it's not it's not a thing that you can bank a win on um and uh and, and that's really what happened against Hilo. you know uh, it was a very close game but um i had to play for so discord and when that didn't come off um he really just like went to town on my weak units I have to admit, uh, the the so Discord um, ability, obviously uh, a very strong ability uh, as an effect, uh, arguably, <laughs> arguably in the current meta where you know switching things off for an entire round comes at a premium. Um, mm -hmm. To have it on an order, long range on your commander for effectively free. Okay, you could sit here and argue that you pay for that in his cards not being as good as they could be, um, but it is very strange in my head that the the uh, the ability works on destroyed ranks of the enemy rather than on current ranks in Euron's unit, which is very similar to all of those style of rank abilities. Um, yeah, well, current ranks in Euron's unit would be a way more powerful ability. You yes. could assert pressure from long range. You could just walk forward and say, well, take a minus three test for me. Whereas the problem with so Discord is, is that it... Actually, what the the real problem, particularly into the uh, Ranger Hunter matchup, is that realistically they're never going to end in combat with you, right? So you're never going to have, um, you're never going to be able to put that intimidating presence, which he also brings onto yeah. that. So Discord. Yeah. Also, uh, if they're running Amon or um, or they're running Conscripts, it's very unlikely that they'll ever have significant destroyed ranks any given time. So they're effectively taking a flat test. The only way that you can choose to not do that, there is a. So Discord is powerful because it's start of any turn, not just start of a friendly turn. I think that that does bring its level up. Um, but the problem is, is that you, I find, particularly into the Ranger Hunter matchup, is you're driven to make your first action a charge on your own turn. You charge into Ranger Hunters, do some kills enable the um and, and get some pillage off of the back of that to give you extra minuses mm -hmm. then you also have your intimidating presence and then at the start of the next round you're just like well i'm all in on this so you need you to fail this so discord otherwise you're just going to attack and retreat and then use relentless and then use you know like all these things so you're forced into committing to make this move 
And it's an all-in move as well, because chances are, if you're playing this matchup in the way that I have been, it's a 3-NCU versus 3-NCU game, and you're only going to get to play this move the round where you would normally want to take take the board as your first action. You'd want to pick up swords and do some damage or something like that. So you're all in on this thing. And I built that list around that concept. In reality, it was nowhere near as reliable as I wanted it to be. Um, not because like, not because the math was any different, just like the getting it to work against a good opponent just you know, like doesn't, doesn't happen the way you hope that it might. Um, what about running it without Asher? Well, personally, there isn't another point in my mind uh, in that list at all. You could take Victorian instead of one of the units, but I hate that because that unit will 100% die. Like, it will just get, it'll get annihilated by Ranger Hunters. Melisandre. It, 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 um, it loses to the Brathian matchup, right? It, it just loses yeah. so many things that can punish that, uh, that one unit. Um, and it's also I, six combat drops, right? I mean, yeah, so 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 if we're beginning with this initial concept that I am playing a nine activation list, right, like start with that. You actually the one point that I'd be willing I'd be willing to sacrifice silenced men, not being silenced men before I'd sacrifice any other points, because what I want is I want six units on the board and I want six real units with twelve wounds each. The thing about Asha, she is incredibly powerful. She is an amazing value for one point, but if you don't have that one point to sacrifice, then it's very, very difficult. Um, and to me, more importantly, half of Asha's value comes from Warcry, half of it comes from having a five-up morale. Having five-up morale isn't that useful if all it does is protect one of five units that all have terrible morale. My opponent's just going to focus down the other ones. Like, it doesn't help me that much to have one of my trappers be able to be, um, like, more resilient than the other ones. Because good opponents just don't... Good opponents don't allow you to use defensive abilities if there are units that don't have them. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, it's a very extreme list, right? Like, so in general, I would say if you can afford Asha, if you have a point, buy Asha, right? Like, hundred percent. But the reality is, is that for the concept that I was trying to put together, it didn't work in this list. Mm -hmm. The only other point is you take Wendemir over you taking um, overtaking Baron. You you free up a point for Asher, and that is yeah. like that that is discussion of a trade. But Baron's use is at least as good as Asher's, except it's like Asher Asher on a stick. You can put Asher whichever unit you think is about to get focused down. Asher can be on any one of those five units. Not exactly Asher, right? Um, it's different. It's different because uh, the whole point with Ranger, the Ranger list, is they don't actually care about the morale. It's a discussion we had the other week about uh, like veterans and things like this. It's the, the amount of dice they put out. Uh, they put out mm -hmm. so many dice that um, they kill you with hits, uh, which is a discussion point in itself. You know, the hit-based damage right now um, against a lot of things is is actually the solution. Um, rather than necessarily having panic damage, but if you're going to go panic damage, have it big, have it be impressive. Um, 
don't just have these piddly, you know, the Lannister type things. Oh, there's an extra one damage you might take from this panic check a couple of times. No, don't care. Not enough. Make it big. Make it scary. Um, the the thing with Asher is that it protects you against the morale. Sure, it doesn't protect you against the hits. And Baron, I mean, without Baron, doesn't the Silence Men unit cease to have any ability to go in? Because it just gets yeah. murdered. Yeah. Not then. Then then when we can't play Euron anymore, we basically have to play Baylor. Um, because without Baylor's hardened and to the last, that unit is just gonna die before. Like it's just gonna get it's it's gonna get Ranger hunted straight in the face. It's gonna get whatever happened to it. Um, weren't the trappers just melting? Um, no. Like uh, the. If you're playing into other nine activation lists, then um, then then like they they probably don't have things just to melt units, right? Like the only the only thing in the whole game I think right now that fields nine activations and melts units is got that this specific John Ranger Hunter list, right? And it does it by having incredibly few wounds on the board. So the concept is that it tries to. And it and it has a ton, ton, a ton, a ton of its important kind of power and burst damage all rolled up into a really high concentration of important keywords, right? So the concept is, if so, Discord can turn them off. Then then it's you've 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 turned a ten point relentless. Um, boldness and courage to activation can maneuver and shoot can attack and retreat can do everything right except it has relatively okay basic stats right weak armor save five plus five plus mm-hmm. only a mediocre seven five four or something like that um, yeah. on its attack profile short range if we can switch that off that becomes a very big investment for 10 points mm-hmm. that's the concept everybody else if they're fielding nine activations if they're fielding anything above eight then they're fielding equally crap units and i believe over the course of the game i'm born bowman even with their eight up morale are the best point for point four point unit right so and trap and trappers are up there too right like they have yeah. to get a bit more stuck in so their um so their morale is morale is more of an issue but between their disrupt and their order overall i'm like basically if i can turn this into crap units fighting crap units i have one of the best crap units in the game and all i need to do in that specific matchup is turn it off but I wouldn't bank on it again. I would change the way I, I would, I would change the way I think about it, and I wouldn't put my eggs into the Euron basket. And I would run different commander with a different objective. Uh, so, what are overall, the, you know. it's one of the one of the things that um, people perhaps don't get put enough of respect into, maybe with the Bowman and the Trappers actually at four points uh, a piece is there's the lack of degradation on their attack uh through till final rank right it's it's only in the vast majority of cases uh you're starting on six you typically go six five four 
Um, but Trappers and Bowman going 6-6-4. Six, six, that one dice isn't much. Over the course of a game, it's probably literally like two or three extra dice. But it does give you that little bit extra threat where it's like, this is still basically a full health unit, even though I've taken seven wounds. Um, mm -hmm. And and that is that is actually very important against lists that are going to try and attrition you because they they're not quite attritioning you in the way that they want um i do i do think that you know the bowmen are good um but yeah it, it's... it's worth noting though by the way that um that list in my mind is that is it was actually built to fight free frick yeah and it played into two very good free folk players two very strong mance lists it managed to come away with the most minor victories ever, <laughs> both times. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like an overwhelming success. Uh, it wasn't like, hey, I built this list specifically to counter Mance and it absolutely smashed Mance. It was like, I built this list to counter Mance and we've scraped through by the skin of our teeth. Um, I probably overplayed it. The other list, um, mm -hmm. the other list, got played once um and and was more more if i'm like really scared of like a panic list even though it's not necessarily much much better against panic lists it's just if if my opponent brings something more elite if my opponent brings like seven activations or even six activations then this one bringing eight activations with a lot more power pieces involved it's got victorian uh victorian reavers it's got flayed men it can really put out some hurt this list and still does it while out activating anybody who's playing at the seven bracket. I think that into like into a more general meta, into a more general player, that is a much better list. But into the specifics of what I actually think is the top tier of tournament right now, which unsurprisingly, you know, like I, I do think it's way, way closer than it was in the past. It's not just flat out play more activations, be better play more aggressive, be better. I still think that all the best lists in the game, which I'm scared of, are nine activations still, right? Like, they are still what I consider the things to beat in a tournament. And so being able to field one myself and building a list that's specifically designed around those nine activations and fighting a nine activation list is very important. This is actually this is actually a point that I was talking to, to Phil, uh, Lateralus Online, um, I was talking to Phil about this last night after the event, um, and and Phil actually Phil did relatively well. I think three for three in the end by the end of it, uh, and he was posting near the top. Uh, he played against myself and Hilo at least. Um, I think he may have played against other players as well near the top. So yeah, Chris as well. He played into to Elite Teddy uh, with a close loss at the end there. Um, but basically, it was it was exactly that uh, discussion with his his Baratheon lists. He ran a the six activation or a triple cav um, list uh, with the double champions of Flayed Man and some Wardens and some attachments here and there. Um, he ran a more classic Stannis Baratheon one true king kind of like seven activation bomb type. And it was one of the things, I mean, Baratheon can't play high activations, right? They, they literally can't play over eight. Um, but it was one of the things we discussed with, I discussed with him and basically said to him, the problem that exists in Baratheons to some extent right now 
is that they can't reach those eight and nines to compete with those other lists. So they have to rely on the other stats and stuff. And unfortunately, that will work against players who don't know the solutions to those types of units. Um, but if you know the solutions to those types of units and you build them into your list, you tech them in as little additions because usually you don't need much to tech them in, you will beat those lists as a better player nearly 100% of the time. And it is... It is actually a stark contrast that you can you can beat the midfield with these lists that are um, that are these kind of like archetypal Baratheon style stuff at the moment, and they will dominate the midfield. But the moment you start looking at top end, you know we've got the the Mel Jacken, which you know Carlos kind of said it before. I I, I call it this now is like just casino. It's just like. Yeah, everyone plays builds five morale lists. Ah, take a load of seven morale tests, and if you fail them, I win, and if you pass them, I lose. Um, so uh, there's that side of it, but then there's like the cavalry lists, which people really struggle into. They are punishable. They're really, really pu uh, punishable when top players play against them because they know what they want to do and how they're going to do it well ahead of time. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. Um, and it is, you know, it is, I think it is very interesting that we see typically high activations at the top. And then it's the, the, the middle, like low activation band, almost in the middle um, of those players where they're, they're dominating the midfield section, but not necessarily pulling out the wins against those, uh, those high activation lists because they can't. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Um, uh, Tom. For example, Tom Ilo, uh, I don't actually know if he used his second list. It's almost impossible to tell. I'd have to go back and look at footage and, and streams and things like this. I don't know if he used his second list. Which uh, got... I definitely saw him field. Uh, it's exactly Bros. the same, but one unit of Swarm Brothers, right? Yeah, yeah um, he replaces the Hunters for Swarm Bros. Which I still hate, you know? Like, yeah. You know why it's you know, there, what can right? I say? What can I say? He won the tournament. But, you know what I mean? I still... I still, I still believe that you can do more with your lists than just have the same list, but with like, you know, the same list under two things, right? Like, but the thing is that that swarm brother, works. the swarm, the nine activation swarm brother watch captain allows you to ch absolutely chomp through high high armor stuff. Um, yeah. And and that's the thing. You just go in. You you're gonna get last activation. You're gonna be out of charge potentially with John. You know if they're running a double a double NCU list as well, only two NCUs. There's the real potential that the horses is still open. Um, and you can for the watch charge into relentless hit, into activation hit, into opening the next round, take the swords into relentless. And, you know, all of these cards coming out and every single one of these is sundering. Potentially some of them are going to have vulnerable and rerolls when already in melee. Like, it all adds up, right? It all adds up. And and even two morale units. Well, the moment you make the three morale, Carlo, you, uh, sorry, three armor, you see what happens to three armor units if you just put enough dice into them. They fail enough saves. <laughs> Uh, and they just melt um but yeah uh that is that is a thing um yeah uh he also has the john love is sus i don't know like i i think he's i i openly say i believe him to be underrated you know what i mean like as in you know like forget the stats like i think he's a good commander 
right? And and uh, he's popular. You know? He's very very popular. Uh, people will play him because of the character and things like that, and so a lot of people will play him across the spectrum, um, and they'll play him in basically any list. Uh, that doesn't mean it's a good or bad thing, but that is something you have to factor in. It's the same reason that the mountain commander probably does worse than he probably is, because he's super popular and lots of people play him. Yeah, he really is yeah. bad. Well, I think he's bad as well, but I but, actually um... think he's probably better than his ranking suggests, and he's still bad. Uh, and John, John, John was really, really hurt by the change to Jaw, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah not being able to just on like just first turn say, "Here's a for, here's for the watch." The times that I played John, and, I, and and he is practically my Night's Watch commander of choice. The times that I've played John, I did not draw for the watch like at all. But I was playing John Hunters, right? I went whole games playing Bowen Marsh. Taking letters aggressively because you know, like Night's Watch deck's amazing. So, like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you just try and have as much of it in your hand as possible at all times? Did not get it, and John felt lackluster, right? Mm. But you could say the same of almost any commander if you don't draw any of the command cards. But <laughs> the thing is, is I don't rate his other two cards that highly. For the watch, is the only one that I really care about. And the reason, and what like really drives that list to be super top tier, and and so I can see why you can think that he's amazing, and you can look at it and be like, why the hell wouldn't I play John here? And then when you actually play it, you're like, oh, this is why I don't play John because he's not reliable. <laughs> he's not winning as consistently as something else could win. Um, so, and that's a lot of what the ranking measures, right? Like, a lot of what people's difference between their perception of what a commander is and what its actual ranking is, is the reliability of something versus its upper potential. Yeah. One of the reasons why Assassinate is never as highly rated as people think it should be, and in almost all forms, you know, like, wherever it appears, people are like, why isn't Expert Duelist, like, this amazing, like top-rated thing, because it only works two-thirds of the time. But you remember all the times that it worked and all the times that it completely destroyed you. Yeah, People turn a blind eye to all the times where that 3-plus just, like, didn't work for them or, or didn't work for their opponent, and, and even... they assign that to, like... they assign... People are always assigning, like, luck to their skill when it is in their favour. And then when it's not, it's luck. It's not skill anymore. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that's... Uh, I, I think it'd be really, really interesting, actually. I think the three-plus concept in the game, uh, that can be counter-strategy at three-plus, that can be um, can be counter-plot at a three-plus, that can be expert duelist at a three-plus. I really wonder what people's psychology around those results, uh, like those effects would be if you made it a four-plus. If you told people it was 50-50, I think people would think way differently about it than if you told them it's a three plus because a three plus people are like, well, it will work most of the time. And most of the time in people's minds is all of the time. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, I have you to get people who are like, you get people who are like, so if you make a morale test on an eight plus, people are like, well, I'll definitely fail. 
make a morale plus on a seven plus, they're like, oh, I'll definitely pass. And they're like, pissed off when they fail. It's like, it's practically a 50-50, guys. You know, like, it, it's 42-58. Yeah. But it's but as close as you're going to get to a 50-50 on a 2d6 kind of chart, right? So yeah. I think that that's really interesting. Uh, Failing a I seven plus. The three plus. Three plus people are convinced is 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 almost almost 100 percent. Yeah, fa failing a seven plus is you know it, you kind of go yeah I'm expecting that I'm I'm expecting to fail a seven plus almost. Um, failing a six plus it's like eh, it happens you level, move on with it. Failing a five plus naturally without any effects um, is pretty savage, uh, but it does happen. Um, and a 66 percent is actually closer to a six plus than it is a five plus morale. Um, in terms of odds, right? So, yeah. Uh, Paul says 66% is the majority. Yeah, obviously it's the majority, but people act like 66% is 99%. Yeah. They are so upset when they fail it, and they, they'll give you all this, oh, oh, oh. And you're like, you're the one who you're the one who played an ability that only works two thirds of the time, mate. <laughs> Dance is just like counterplot. You never remember the times it fails. I remember the times it fails. <laughs> oh, see, that's actually that's the, that's the irony, right? It, and I don't know if this is this is you. I really remember the times where things fail for my opponent on three pluses because I know that I'm like because my expectation is that it won't fail. I go into it expecting mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to pass this. I'm not going to get the one third chance. So I've got to plan around lose, uh, losing that one third. And then the one third comes up and I'm like, let's go. <laughs> um, you know, whereas I think people go, I'm going to pass the two thirds and don't have a problem. And then it's like, oh, shit, I failed it. What do I do now? Um, so, yeah, it's uh, you've got to bank on losing it. And I know you can't bank on losing it or just, you know, believe in the dice gods like Carlo does and never fail it. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, you've got you've got to bank on losing it and say, right, what do I happens if this fails? What's my out? Um, so, you know, it is pretty savage, though, rolling the one in nine on counterplot with the reroll. That is a bit savage. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I... Um... I learned a lot. They, it was actually, you know, Euron, the Euron spam list was very theoretical. I had to even borrow a unit to play it, you know, and like normally I have a million copies of everything, you know, like it really was spam. Improvements I would make, um, I would definitely use one Drowned, drowned Men solo. Over, uh... over the, over the, um, over the second unit of Trappers. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I might swap. Hmm, I might swap Baelish for Wendemir. It's really hard. Right. So, again, specifically, it's built to fight Free Folk. So, Botley is non negotiable. Botley stopping Endless Horde on either turn one or turn two is super, super important. Baelish is very clutch, and he has a great combination with Botley because you can say nobody's allowed to claim this zone, and then you can go and claim it yourself anyway with Baelish by swapping onto that zone. So you can, for example, gives it more generic use. One of Botley's general powerful use 
is your opponent makes a big charge at the end of the round they're going to try and tempo play you they're going to open with the swords and you just say swords is off the table for the round guys and then because nobody's actually claimed it Baelish then just says but well, I'll have swords thank you your opponents activated their first NCU. I think that's very, very powerful. Also, in the three NCU versus three NCU meta, which I still think is going as strong as ever, um, he has the very powerful effect of um, it's the round where you would lose one of your NCUs. You make it so that you both lose one of your NCUs. Uh, it even has some subtle effects on like forcing the activation order to be slightly different, but that's getting really deep into like setting up the uh, timing and tempo of the round. So anyway, Botley, non-negotiable. Into the very specific list, I don't believe that he's the best uh, best NCU, but into the meta right now, I think that he's incredibly important. If you're playing into a very high free folk meta, then yeah, I think that. Even, don't leave home without one list with Botley in, and that list better be the list that you're ready to fight free folk with. Yeah, I mean, even even against the Night's Watch, John stopping for the watch, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, other than that, like I say, I would swap one trappers into drowned men. I think that their healing can really help, especially if you don't have Wendemere. Um. Baelish's other clutch effect is that you don't have to control swords the round that you're playing and having um, what is dead may never die down on the board, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your one-time effect per game is always saved for. I've just played what is dead may never die, and I don't have swords. And then you just say, but I do have swords for this round, and that can allow you to continue going, and it can really really bank in on like your opponent thinking that you might not have it because you haven't taken swords or you know that that really helps i think so there is dual effect and why i really like him in combination with botley but if we assume that the list really really needs bear on because he is an amazing combination with silenced men shoring up their one single weakness then it's so hard to fit in another ncu but i think i might take Windermere. After all of those things said, Wendemir can perform some of Baelish's roles by taking a zone just proactively at the start to block and just swapping it into a token instead. Um, you, you, don't get that, you don't get that sword effect, but you could always just heal before you um, take an action if you really needed to keep something alive with what is dead. I have to admit, like I mean, the, the Wendemir Baelish as well. If you're going first, you can Wendemir horse to prevent the endless, and you're not getting nothing out of it. You can use the horse if you want. You can, you know, take a token and just be like, right, that's cool. Um, if you're talking about a counter Night's Watch free folk, I'm less con less concerned about Baron being in the list as the, against the free folk. Uh, there are some things, things like uh, the traps and stuff that it plays into. But I feel that free folk are. Only I feel that you can't you can't play assertively into free folk without it bear on because you will end up getting double or triple trapped. You can't walk forward like. Yeah, yeah but you're not. Yeah, right. Uh, my point being is that you're only ever going to march in at probably from outside range. You might come in once. You're probably only taking one lot of traps. 
um, and you're probably late on into the round, I'd have thought. And my my kind of issue with the Baron edition is that Free Folk are one of the factions out there that can target your morale and remove Baron. Um, I think that was my that was my concern. Mm. I do think Night's Watch Baron has a huge huge thing into Night's Watch, but I think in the uh, in the Free Folk mirror, I'm not that bothered about Baron because I know that if I'm going to spending attacks, I'm going to have to spend panic tokens and you know, panic effects to remove that uh, before I can really kill him. So I either choose to do it or I just choose to ignore it because I ain't doing it. Um, so I think that is the big thing. Um, but that's only my... Yeah, I also played side. recently against Dala for the first time. And yeah, um, I played into traps on Dala um, and really felt that that there was so much remote damage from the way that Free Folk can play right now. I do I do think that Dala's more of a meme though, because you're you know in my head you know that Dala's gonna come down on bags if you're engaged with the unit at the start of the round. And if Dala's going on bags, they're not taking horses. And if they're if it's Dala down on if you're going first, you've got the option to take bags, I think is open, especially with the Baelish, but obviously you lose Baelish. But you can keep Baelish and take Wendy over Baron maybe, but um I I yeah. I do think it's a bit of a meme because if they're dollaring bags, they're not taking horses, which means they're not playing endless horde. And if they're not playing endless horde on the rounds they're going first, then they're not winning. That that win condition for them is gone. So you're only talking about a damage condition. Um, and Baron doesn't help there anyway because they're going first. Whereas if they're going second, you can choose to go right. Well, I'll trust for the horses, or I'll take the bags anyway, um, or do whatever. You know, you can even just take the horses yourself and disengage. And they go, oh, well, if I Dala heal, it does fuck all. Um, I've, I've theorycrafted with Dala a lot, and I don't like it. Um... Chat definitely thinks that I should have taken Wendy. And uh, I will, I mean, this is uh, shows a little bit of my great joy and experience. You know, it was only, it was the first time I'd ever played Yoram uh, for a start. I think I have, like, four games with uh, Greyjoys so far. Um and 100% of them, I had played Wendy. And it's quite easy to under-appreciate what he's doing for you, right? Like, if he's always there, if you're not playing, if you're never not playing with him, it's easier to think I could survive without him. And this was the first list that I'd ever really built without him because I thought that it could survive. I would agree that I'd probably go back to he is almost auto-include. Um, you know, like Baron. Baron also feels auto include depending on the list setup that you have. But almost every list setup that I come to feels like I auto include Baron because there is a unit which is too valuable, too weak. Um, mm -hmm. men, Reavers with Victorian, all these things. Um, and they need to be protected. But anyway, you know, they're, they're the changes that I would make to that list. The other list, I'd probably just scrap and build more specifically into the meta. Though, interestingly, I think that if you're looking for a general general purpose list, pretty strong. Yeah, it's an eight activation right. general. Decent. It has good units in it, right? It has Victorian Reavers, which is good. It has Baylor Silence Men, which is good. It has Flayed Men, which are good. And it has Bowmen, which are shit, according to stats, but pretty good. <laughs> uh, and then the three, or two of the best NCUs in the game, in Baelish and Wendermere, probably. 
Um, so, um, yeah. Didn't win. Didn't win my first tournament outing with Greyjoys, so we'll have to continue down that path. Uh, I think there's improvements to be made. I would have been so angry. I'm so glad I held you to a minor in the last game, because if you'd have won that last game with a, a standard or a crushing, you would have won the event. And more importantly, you'd have done it with a bye. Oh my god. <laughs> Sketchy as shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Um, wins a win. Wins a win. Especially <laughs> if you didn't even have to play a game to get it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh... I entered the wrong uh, free vote lists, if anyone was wondering. I know Brian said at the start of the uh, episode today, Mickey used a mammoth, he wants to know all about it. And the simple answer is, I got on the train um, on Saturday morning. 12 hours after list, list lock deadline. Yeah, 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 definitely 12 hours after list lock. Because in my new bile head, when I'd got home, uh, I was like, oh, I'll change my lists. And then I didn't, and so I thought, oh, I've changed them in the morning, and then I was running around like a headless chicken before I left. Sat down on the train and went, shit, they're locked. And so I entered the same list, which are, you'll notice, uh, UK-only releases. Um, <laughs> so these are the lists that I had originally made a long, long time ago um, for UK-only tournaments. Uh, and the game has changed since a lot of those have gone by, so yeah. Um, I had to play them. Uh, I think mammoths are... They're not shit. They're not shit. Mammoths aren't bad. They aren't that good. Um, they have to be used as a battering ram. So, so Weasel, tools. by the way, this is the real excuse, not, not, the one, not, not, not the one that he was tired. Just in case you were counting up the not things that aren't excuses, but are excuses. Who said it was an excuse? I'm just saying that was a thing that happened. I'm just reading the facts. You can say it's an excuse if you want. Um, so uh, yeah, this this list. I don't I don't like the mammoth. I think it has to be a tank. And uh, unlike the champions of the stag with the two plus uh, five plus, two plus you can kind of rely on. I think a three plus you cannot rely on. Now I know that oh, in my game it was Carlo. Like he was able to get into a flank with Bowman like shit shouldn't just activate the mammoth and moved out but um at the end of the day he got into a position and he killed it and i did roll i failed a hell of a lot of four uh, three ups and four ups but i still had a bad position it was still my mistake it's still my failings which is why it died um but i got attacked in the front by john hunters and it killed the mammoth and i was like huh that feels pretty bad <laughs> um so i mean hilo hilo says that it was good into the hunters three plus two it, it ironically it really was against hilo and that's the problem a three plus save unlike a two plus which i feel is less dice dependent the three plus i do feel is a bit more dice dependent right um it's going back to that 33 percent uh, chance you're talking about before um and Hilo also didn't use a vulnerable token on him, which uh, which he could have done, which may have been able to push through more damage. Um, so there was that there. So, yeah. I do think that Hilo maybe missed an opportunity to kill an Earth, but I think it was, like, super sketch. I don't know if it was a good thing or not. Um, but, yeah, no. I uh, I don't like Mammoths. I, 
I think for two less points, I'd rather take a chariot because the best moment on my game against Tom was when he was like, right, so how far does the, the, the mammoth move? And I said six. Right, so he can move six and then like charge another seven. And I'm like, no, he doesn't have a cav move. And Tom's face was just kind of like, what? <laughs> uh, and it just like relieved so much pressure from him. And if that was a chariot for two less points, I'd have been like, yes, right, I'm going to move here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to charge you in the flank. I'm going to burst your unit and I win the game. Um, and I saved two points. You know, um, but yeah, other times it tanked like a boss. Or uh, ironically, against uh, on a Targaryen game, it chased down some outriders. <laughs> Mammoth just chased some outriders down, and that was fun. Uh, that's all it did all game. So yeah, um, yeah, free folk in it, mounts. It's not exactly hard. Um, so yeah, cool. Um, congratulations to Tom. Uh, for winning the event uh, obviously Carlo as well for winning uh, our game and coming second um, but I am glad to say that I am now one of only two people in the entire UK circuit who has beaten Tom in a tournament game of A Song of Ice and Fire so there we go uh, he's got two players with wins against him and one player with a draw so one player who's never lost to him <laughs> which is uh, not quite the same um, so yeah uh, also, exclusive I wanted to. Club. What exclusive? Yeah, an exclusive club. He literally said, uh, "Super exclusive." Um, I want to give a shout out to Chris, obviously with his Night's Watch doing pretty well, um, but also Dan from our club, who had a pretty atrocious day one. Um, he started off with a, a good win, and then he got absolutely spanked by by Jacob's Free Folk and uh, and against James Kira there from Dead Meta. Uh, but then he came out into day two. And he smashed everyone. Basically, he went out with, uh, with trying to beat everybody, and he beat all his players. And he managed to secure by the end of it a, a solid fifth place, which uh, is actually really good for Dan. You know, Dan was was really happy with that, and that is actually a really good result. Uh, only pulling down two losses, and especially you know beating some decent players on the way there as well. So, um, yeah. I also had an absolutely amazing game against Jacob which went to um, a draw and win win on points on table, um, where I did Euron, Endless Horde. Yes. Uh, I'm bringing on my own unit of raiders. The meme, the meme was in full effect. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was incredibly close. It did actually... There was some discussion. Uh, Chris was watching the game. I, I did... I did miss the opportunity for a more convincing win, but it came down to me making a four-up charge in a way that I did it in the end. I had to make a four-up charge to engage a unit to steal the token off it to then, in Dance with Dragons, yeah, yeah Dance with Dragons, uh, take the token by... Stint. If I made the charge, I 100% was stealing it because of more ranks, uh, but I had to steal it or I'd lose that game. It was super, super, super close and a really, really good game. And it's a bit of a shame that that one wasn't recorded because uh, it would have been... Uh, it was a very interesting game. Was it Was it table three? Mm -hmm. four? Yeah, yeah. Table three. Ah, sadness. Um, all right, yeah. So uh, I played Jacob Wiggins, Here We Stand, and I drew in the sword and he didn't, and that was the game. Great. Uh, that was recorded and it is the most 
hilarious moment in the world watching two raid leader units with no with no supporting units trying to bash each other while both on like one and two ranks and basically getting nowhere <laughs> um, we uh, we did a hell of a lot of attacks where it's like oh that's two wounds and then it's a morale check on a four. Oh look you passed <laughs> um yeah free folk mirrors are stupid i hate them um so tell them your starting hand in our game oh yeah my starting hand against hilo was quite literally probably the best hand i could probably draw which was long plan endless horde and there's too many <laughs> Uh, which are probably arguably the three best cards in the deck outside of maybe Wildling. Um, and then I drew one off the top of the deck with Craster, and guess what it was? Wildling Diplomacy. So, uh, you can't really complain when those are your top four cards, can you? Um, yes. All yeah, right. card in the free deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, that was good. Um, but, you know, swings and roundabouts, right? You make your own luck. Is that, is that what I'm told? You make your own luck? <laughs> no. Um... All right, so that was where, uh, Wall on the Wall. Um, is there anything else of note that happened? Not really. Oh, no, there was something of note. Uh, Tim Whitney. Tim Whitney, uh, painter extraordinaire. You'd be surprised to hear, won the painting competition <laughs> with his uh, awesome Starks. It, it is actually very interesting, Carlo, you not think, that we had three entries for, uh, for Best Painted. And two of them are Stark armies. Mm -hmm. Do you think Starks are some of the best models to paint or make them look good anyway? No, not at all. The, those, both of those armies are heavily converted because... Mm -hmm. They're crap. Because <laughs> the Stark models actually aren't very good. Yeah. And it takes incredible, incredible painters and incredibly skilled modelers to make them look as good as they do. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion. Um, and th that's... Newer stuff is is good. You yeah. know, obviously, like I think the, the newer car starks look good. Um, can't speak for the new starter set because doesn't exist in the UK yet. I've never seen those models particularly. Uh, I don't know if anybody particularly has them. Um, so um, yeah, like I think that I think that that's not at all true. Uh, I think that starks just you're looking for correlation where there is none there there's just two players who have I wasn't looking for correlation I was, those armies. I was uh, simply making a meme point that they are terrible models and uh, <laughs> the fact that they make them look amazing is a skill in itself never mind the painting it <laughs> you know they could yeah. probably really they could probably put them on the board unpainted and they'd still look better than painted stuff from other people because because uh, they are shit based models um i'm still if you haven't seen them one of my favourite units that Tim's ever done is his Outriders. Outriders mm -hmm. are fucking awful like models. Tim's a lovely. Um, and he's just completed Cranham and Trackers, who are now one of my favourite units in Stark. And they're really nice. I really love the blue he's got on them. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, we will quickly show you this, uh, because this was the block of granite that Tom got as a prize for the tournament. Um... And it pretty much was a solid, solid block of was it granite or marble or marble? No, marble. That's, yeah, that's, marble. Yeah, that's a very heavy piece of marble. Surprisingly and heavy. All bottom weighted, so like <laughs> you go to pick it up and you're like, oh, this is heavy, and then like it's horrifically bottom weighted. So if you turn to look at it, you're like, oh shit, 
um no it's a, it's a really nice trophy um and uh i did actually say to tom when he was was packing up and everything what he actually needs to do is he needs to just etch on or like even in sharpie hashtag three but then he was like yeah but then that would give validation for carlo for winning the first two so he's right to not do that <laughs> I, I actually didn't put the number on because you know maybe tom will bring it back next year No you, didn't, you didn't tell him you didn't tell him that just, oh by the way can you bring it back <laughs> you only get it for a year it's like the world cup um all right all right then so uh that was wolf of the wall which was uh, i enjoyed it uh it was a good event i think personally um and everyone seemed to enjoy it which is good and the best part is it was a two-day event and everybody came back for day two which is always a positive thing yeah yeah yeah. We all we almost we almost had twenty at the start of day uh, day two with one late arrival, but uh, only five minutes. Um, yeah, I think that you know I asked I asked really openly to the players for responses, uh, and you know particularly the people who came from further afield, their their response was very positive. Um, they were all very pleased that it was a two day event. They mostly say that they wouldn't really have attended if it wasn't a two day event. Um, so I'm glad about that. I will be looking to put on another event at some point in the future. There's some discussion around, you know, like six months away or a year away. The calendar's really quite busy, you know, particularly for two days. Can't be too close to any of the GTs, the LGT, the Scottish GT, uh, Welsh GT, um, which we hope that all three of them will continue to run strong and uh, be spaced out around the UK, like annual calendar. Really hoping that, like, particularly next year, that they will be, like, organised in respect to each other as, as best as possible. Uh, plus, you know, I know that like there's the Ribble Rumble coming up in Manchester, quite a different event, but still another two-day event, which would really capture a lot of the same kind of people. So uh, trying to find time in the calendar is not easy, but uh, hopefully next time it'll have uh, a much longer announcement period. And we could look to go bigger than, you know, we could definitely fit 26 or 28 into the two rooms that we use at our gaming club, uh, any more than that. And it's really talking about like booking out the hall below, which is very different. Um, but, you know, uh, look out for War for the Wall 4, or as we joked, possibly War for the Wall 5, because uh, <laughs> there's uh, conflicting uh, opinions on whether or not it really was War for the Wall 3. Um, but uh, that's what it got called in the end, so uh, that's what we'll stick with. Who'd, who'd have thought that Carlo would get basic numbering wrong? You know, it's uh, <laughs> and we trust uh, him with a well, stats website. <laughs> let's say that it was Scott. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, so there's your excuse, is it, Carlo? Just palm it off to somebody else. Oh dear. <laughs> right then. Um, so we'll move on to uh, the next things we're going to talk about, which is still tournament related. So we've got um, three tournaments that we're going to cover. Uh, we've got the Break the Meta TTS event first, you see here, which end up with 60, no, not 64 players, 32 players at the end. They did actually have 33 signed up, but they, they did a 32 cutoff, uh, so it was nice brackets. Um, and uh, this round one has only just started, I believe. They've only just got into it. Some games have been played, most haven't. But we are going to look at the, the breakdown here for the stats, um, and it is not far off what we're seeing in terms of like relatively high free folk relatively high uh um night's watch a slight resurgence in the baratheon uh, a bit more baratheon with it where we have been seeing lately um but also lannisters lannisters resurgence here um 
with people wanting to try maybe is this the Kevin builds uh, that people think might be quite good, um, even though Lance does suck. Um, so yeah, uh, certainly you know, breakdown. They might as well give give Kevin and Marbrand. You know, people are people got real hard on for Marbrand. Uh, hardened is hardened. It's definitely a good ability. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I really like to see somebody come up with. A really good Marbrand build, but uh, I'm not 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 so sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully they get something coming for Lancers because uh, uh, something you know something that works them in a build wise. Because I do feel when I I've mean, looked at list building for them and it just feels bad. Everything just feels just like not what quite you want. Like I don't know how you felt, Carlo. I look at the build and think, yeah, it's okay, but then I'm like. But it's not good enough. <laughs> uh, it's the salt in my mouth after every build I make. Um... Uh, I have, I, I still, I had like a really, really like uh, Heroes Three came out, and I, and I was literally like made some Kevin lists, made some Adam lists, and uh, I played them, and you know, like I didn't hate them, um, but I, I really had no interest in building last lists right now. Like I. Personally, I think that they've really just gutted the faction. Like, it it can only lean into panic, in my opinion, and it's so unreliable. It does it in a really um, a, a really hit and miss way. You effectively have to combo into that, like creating heals, creating snowballs, creating these things. And I don't like to I don't like to pin my hopes. He says, after having played a Euron list entire, entirely designed around so Discord, I don't like to pin my hopes on winning the game around my opponent failing an important panic check at a certain time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just not interested in Lannisters as a faction, despite the fact that you know they were the faction that I played for so many years, and you know was a was a Lannister diehard. Mm -hmm. I think they've done the faction day. Probably. Yeah. I think it's always difficult. It is always difficult, and I can understand from uh, from a non-competitive angle. People really don't like playing into control aspects of games. And as a result, if they feel, if they feel control is too strong, they think it needs to be changed and nerfed. Even if it isn't, it's the same problem we've talked about previously with Mel. Like this affects, you know, we wouldn't really consider it a negative play experience, but people have a negative play experience with these things. People's feelings get affected. And as a result, it becomes this public opinion of this needs changing, even if it isn't good, like we've discussed before. Um, and yeah, I think Lannister's got really done over by that. You know, uh, Red Cloaks being one of the main offenders, which we know about, um, which I'm fairly sure they literally changed a rule because people didn't like the way Red Cloaks interacted with it. So, um, yeah, it just seems a bit unfair. They did get done. Oh, well. Sadness. Uh, yeah, but, um, I would, yeah, I would like them to come back to being a control faction, um, myself, or, or have their control elements brought up to power level. Um, like, 
mean, Mickey's saying, like, if, if control is powerful, then they'll nerf it, but that's not true, because Mance is the epitome of control, right? Right, um, no, yeah, 100%, and, you know... Mance has all the tools that Lannisters should have, right? Like, yeah. wildling diplomacy is effectively what Lannisters would die for, um, you know, and uh, and and... It's why it's why I had an interest in Kevin because Kevin is a good control commander. He 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 does everything that like Tywin feels like he should have been doing. So even things like um uh what's what's the uh, one way to start a turn where you predictable predictable maneuvers predictable maneuvers another very distinctly control based piece. Uh, particularly when used well, right? Like these are cards which are high skill cards where, where you understand what your opponent is about to try and achieve. Its value is way, way more than somebody who is just guessing at what's about to happen next. So, uh, and that is to me like the essence of control, which is it's at its best when you understand your opponent and you understand their strategy and you counter it. Um, even, you know, like. Obviously, uh, Tyrion has counter strategy, uh, but you know, these are all elements that Lannisters would like to have in a package that is actually competitive, but they don't. Their only competitive things are panic. In inverted commas, if you even think that they're competitive, I don't particularly think that they are, because I don't think that panic is reliable. Not in the way that they implement it. I think that Baratheons implement panic better in a much more reliable sense, um, and I'm 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 way more on board with that. It is interesting, actually. You know, now that we state it, you know, Tyrion is still quintessentially a control commander, but I just don't think that he does enough. Yeah, the the actual problem the problem with Tyrion is that Tyrion. Well, it's the problem with Lannisters, right? Kevin and Kevin and Marbrand are just perfect examples with it, and Charles kind of said it a, a little bit in chat is that when everything in the faction is poor, your commander alone can't carry it. Like, yeah. you need something else for the faction to be playable and, like, at least decent. Uh, it can't just be a good commander. It has to be a good commander with uh, some good units. It has to be a good commander with some good NCU choices. I do actually think the Lancer NCUs aren't that bad, uh, but they're not great. Um and so you end up with this weird situation where it's like I, I disagree. I'd say that uh High Sparrow is the only good like High Sparrow is their only NCU. Ah, uh, Pycel. I, I, I think Pycel's okay. I think Pycel's I think it's okay. I I'd I'd take I'd take Baelish before I took Pycel. Yeah. Uh so then so then we're effectively saying here's neutrals. Right, like yes, Baelish sits in. Baelish sits in like as nearly everybody's spot. third NCU, right? Like he's yeah. nearly everybody's third. Yeah. But his neutrals, his, and of their own natural NCUs, personally, I rate one of them above. Right, maybe every other faction, I can rate two NCUs that they natively have, which I think are better than Baelish. And then Baelish becomes the third in a lot of cases, and I don't always take Baelish in every single faction. Um, I, I bring Pycelle as the third choice. Um, but that's, yeah. I'll bow to your wisdom on that one. 
I think uh, I think Piz Paisel's very good personally. But... I, I don't I don't have any free for um any Lannister wisdom anymore. You know, one, once upon a time, once upon a time, I I, I really would have just said nobody's beating me in with, with Lannisters. No, nobody at the end of uh, at the end of one point six. You remember those the Lannister faction masters, mm-hmm. um, and I fucking pasted the entire field as far as i'm concerned like there was not a close game at all uh and uh and then they changed the faction and i just wasn't i i lost so much interest in it that i don't even try and look at it and think how could i be good with this faction now i'm just like it's not interesting yeah that's fair you're an outcast until you find another one right <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I wander I wander the wastes looking for a faction which I like. <laughs> that's fair. Um alright then. So uh that was uh the entries there for Break the Meta. Now we've got the entries here for the North American Invitational. Now the North American Invitational is uh what is now becoming, I guess, um in a lot of cases, I think a more typical faction split. With a very heavy Night's Watch and Free Folk entry numbers, um, and Baratheons being kind of like the third faction, with Targaryens, which were popular for a while. Mother of Dragons, I think, was a big driver of that. Uh, Targaryens have slowly dwindled in play level, uh, but they are still maintaining, generally speaking, a decent um, Targaryen uh, rate. But they're dropping here, and it's Greyjoys and Lannisters again. Uh, Starks and neutrals barely making an appearance uh, over in NA, um, but this is especially weird. Nights watching the N- in NA have always been popular. Um, free folk have not. Uh, free folk are quintessentially non-NA faction, um, or at least historically have been a non-NA faction. I know that some They'd players normally be in the single in the single percentage digits, right? Yeah, yeah, like, like one or two, three entries maybe. As popular as that. Yeah. Um, they are, to be fair, being picked up by players, you know, who are known for playing other factions. So we see, for example, uh, to be fair, uh, Limita- Imitation Lobster does actually play Free Folk a lot, but we've got uh, Bob, who picked them up for this event. Um, Weasel entered an event. There you go. He doesn't do that anymore, or not nearly as often as he used to. Bogler does pay Night's Watch. Uh, sorry, Free Folk a lot. Um, and Bran the, Bran the Bodybuilder, who I have no idea who Bran and... Uh, oh no, I do know. I think I do know that. If it's Rocket Rocket City, probably know who Brannon is. Uh, but yeah, so we are getting a couple like people who either don't enter events normally or um, who maybe not uh, play free folk. But it's not, you know, it's not like a huge resurgence. But it is big for NA. Um, but yeah, uh, that's obviously only into its first round. Uh, again, I wouldn't read much into the win rates and things like that. Um, yeah, I think Starks. The time of the Stark play rate being absolutely fucking massively high at the start of the patch, I think is now over, right? I think I think people people still playing Starks, but I don't think people are saying Starks are great anymore and Starks could be good. I think people go, they're fine. Move on with it. Uh, yeah, I think I think that Starks are the one thing which I was personally most wrong about. Uh, um, I really did think that they were going to. I I, re- I thought that 
the Sparks One Sword improvements would really have an impact. Um, I think I it did. That... I think it did. <laughs> but, uh, but not the impact it had. Not as big as we thought, right? So. Yeah, I mean, and, and their, their card improvements are very minor, whereas the Brathian card improvements are absolute overhauls. Right? Yeah, they're like they redesigns, are... aren't they? Complete redesigns. Yeah, the Brathians got a pair of absolutely top-tier cards. Um, the Stark ones, very clear buffs, right? Like, I think the card stayed almost, not, not quite, but almost identical. Sim yeah, lost, it's very similar. And lost the self-inflicting wounds. So it went from a card which was actually not good to play. Like, a lot of the time, if you weren't on your last rank, it was bad to play this card. It had a negative impact on you. Um, it's now moved into being a passable on attack card, right? Like, not, not, not particularly a great one, uh, particularly at full ranks. Um, but uh, the faction, the faction has some power pieces. It has, it has Caitlyn, who is super, super powerful. Um, maybe Tully Cavaliers aren't quite what people were scared that Lance Cavalry were going to be. I mean, again, that's the thing. Like people were very convinced that Lance Cavalry change was now going to be a real big, big difference. That the game was going to be wildly changed by that. And Tully Cavaliers not dominating. Knights Castle Rock not dominating. Um and so yeah, Stark Starks do feel like a bit like they were a bit of a flash in the pan. I do think uh the cavalry style lists, um Tally Cavaliers obviously have a lot of threat, but the problem the meta has which I don't think people have realised, the meta has actually evolved to encompass that. And it just so happens that there's other things in the meta that you have to counter that Tully Cavaliers and those cavalry type things do actually get impacted by. Um, and as a result, it's kind of like, you're, you're not going out there being like, how do I counter Stark Cavaliers? But actually it ends up being, oh, I have this thing in my list anyway, and it happens to beat that. Um, I do think, you know, uh, I do think that personally, uh, we talked about it actually over the weekend. In the UK, there are few, to some extent, very few, maybe none, uh, outside of Psycho Stee, um, who actually play Starks at a competitive high-end level. I know people have tried them online, the likes of Tom Tyler and Jacob, um, who are good players, but, but no one's maining Starks at a high level outside of Stee, really. And as a result, I do think the list building has become stagnant with them. I, I am very much of the opinion that there is a nine activation Stark list there that can start to pose problems for some of the, the main contenders uh, of counters, especially with the release of the Little Bear. Um, losing units is no longer a big deal as long as you're trading them out and using the abilities that you can. Um, but it, I, I don't, you know... There hasn't been a, a flagship Stark player who's come out really, certainly online, and said, I'm going to run, you know, WAP. He's playing Lannisters online. Might not be winning a lot, but he's playing Lannisters online. He's making builds. He's trying to run with them. Tom randomly decides to do it with neutrals sometimes, and it works. Still don't know it. Uh, Brathians have had various different people. Uh, Free Folk has had various different people. Um... Targaryens, Night's Watch have all had various different people, like so Bob or you know whoever. Stark haven't got anyone 
that is trying to flagship them and do something interesting with them. That either means A, you can't do anything interesting with them and the people who would can't be bothered. Or B, it's just people can't be bothered. People aren't interested in Starks. They want to play the other factions because they're more interesting. And that's sad if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it could uh, it could be a hangover way back when Starks were the dominant force in the game, you know? Could dr drove anybody who just, like, loved Starks for being Starks away from the faction. Um, I think that Night's Watch have a much more dedicated uh, fan base in that way. Um, and so there are still people who main Night's Watch despite the previous hang-up. Of, of of the awful domination, um, you know, like people are more willing to look past it, and people are more willing to just say, "Well, look, I just play Night's Watch because I play Night's Watch," um, despite the fact that it's years since Starks were the dominant force. I think that maybe people moved away from the faction a long time ago uh, if they were just there for the faction alone, because there are some, you know, there are definite people who do not want to play. Do not even want to be associated. You don't even forget that, like, it's never a faction that's completely overpowered, and it's never even necessarily just a commander that's completely overpowered. It's specific combinations of builds, right, that nearly always lead to the problems. It's when you it's when you refine it down into like a really specific thing that is incredibly hard for almost everybody else to beat. Yeah. So. It, it, it's not like these players are just playing a, a auto-win faction or an auto-win button, but they don't even want to be associated with the faction anymore. There are definitely players who, no, no matter the fact that they're not playing those commanders, they're not playing those lists, they're not utilizing those strategies, they don't want to be associated with the power that like power gamers play that faction because it's the best on top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's... There's plenty of players who I can I can understand why they don't want to do that as well. Um Mikael says that Baratheons is spreading like a plague, but Baratheons have always, since the day they were released, one of the most popular factions. There, there is no the bandwagon. I mean, there, there might be some people, but there is no bandwagon involved in the play rates of Baratheons. Baratheons, when they were the bottom tier faction, the worst thing going in the whole game, were still one of the most played, most popular factions. I do feel they dropped off a little bit in mid-2021, maybe last year. Um, I think the Baratheon resurgence came back at 2021 and went, yeah, the new patch is out, let's everyone play Baratheons. And then it wasn't quite good enough, and they all went, oh, they haven't fixed the problems, it's still shit. <laughs> um, you know, and but I, they are coming back. If there is a resurgence, it's the same players who were playing them last year and the year before coming back, playing them again. Um, it isn't new players picking up barras um or people who've never played barras before being like you know what i'm gonna play that really interesting faction um so yeah uh cool um on to the last event which uh we can talk about which is the stats invitational qualifier this is entering its uh, penultimate round we've got the semi-finals this week and uh and certainly probably something that both myself and carlo will be doing straight after tourney ground is jumping into the game one channel on the nrg stats discord um to watch podwis versus winter is coming which started a little while ago um 
I can't see the full game, but Tom doesn't look like he's lost that many wounds in round two, and Mel's already activated. That's probably not too bad. Um, so uh, so we'll see how that all turns out there. Myself versus Jacob, we're going to play, uh, play after he has completed his exams this week. Uh, he's got exams this week for his uh, university, so we're probably playing at the weekend um, in a free folk mirror, so that'll be fun. Um, and yeah, we'll see who ends up going to the final and uh, who ends up playing for the place, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether Tom wins today or not, it's been a super impressive run. <laughs> he entered with neutrals and uh, I thought, good on him. And then he won his first match and I thought, that's not unsurprising. He won his second and I thought, Okay, we're getting real here, and now he's all the way into the semis, and uh, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see if he can keep going. I still can't believe he's going to win, but uh, I, I would love to be proved wrong. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'd be impressed if he, impressed if he beats the Meljuk and Casino, but it is a casino. There is, like. It is exactly, basically the definition of if the dice go his way, he might just win, um, because Mel Jacken might do zero all game, um, but vice versa. Like uh, it, the odds are that it won't do nothing. The odds are he will lose units. He'll fail some tests, especially with the uh, neutrals. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, it will be quite a dicey game if the, if, if it's Mel into neutrals. And uh, as far as I can, uh, from the little thumbnail that I saw, there is, uh, you know, two units of Flayed Men going on there. That's going to be, uh, this game's going to come down to panic fails. And uh, and uh, I think that the Baratheons, can, the Stannis side Baratheons can do it way more reliably right now. So my money is on that reliability mean that Tom can't pull it out in a one one time in a one time thing. It's different though if he pulls it out in a one time game five times in a row, right? Yeah. That's reliability. That's a tournament win, uh, and that's an impressive feat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll see see how that pans out. Um, and yeah, probably watch it afterwards. Hey, so um, jump in there after watching us. <laughs> everyone immediately leaves and just goes and uh, watches that instead. View account drops to zero. Sad face. Right. Um, <laughs> so those are the events uh, I wanted to cover. Uh, stats for that event. I mean, this is a bit different. It's a bit harder to justify this because it is a knockout event. So the win rates and everything are a little bit skewed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Brathians. There you go, Miguel. Brathians on a 24% entry rate. Not a surprise at all. If anything here, it's the Night's Watch lower entry rate that matters uh, and is more of a surprise, I think. Uh, but people clearly think... And, and both of the, there was two Night's Watch, one Night's Watch entries and they both got knocked out in the first round, interesting. Yep. Was it first round or second? I, th- I, think, I think Night's Watch uh, had a 0% win rate for the tournament. No, they won one game. I, oh, okay. uh, I played Trash Panda in round two and I got a buy in round two, so he must have won his first game. Um, cool. But not yeah, quite not but yeah. basically, yeah, <laughs> close to it, close enough to it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, cool. We'll uh, we'll see how that all pans out in the end, I guess. Um, with a spot up for grabs, Carlo of the 
three players in the event who can win a spot. So that's Tom, Podwis, or Jacob. Who do you want to win it? Um, I, I, I want Tom to win because he's playing neutrals. Okay, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. No, not a problem there. Uh, who do you think will? Different question. Um, I think I think Podwis will win because I think that he'll win this match, whereas there's a 50-50 on the other side of the bracket. Um, mm -hmm. And I think... I, I don't know how I feel about the Stannis versus Mance matchup. Um, the Mance, Mance either has to bubble his entire army and can't really go anywhere, otherwise anything that ever leaves six inches of Mance will just get instantly burnt alive, uh, pretty much. So... Um... I think that uh, the final will be very interesting, no matter what it is. Unless I think it's neutrals versus free folk, in which case I I can't imagine, can't possibly imagine that neutrals beat free folk. I guess we'll I find just out. Can't, just can't. I mean, we I'm, we may me, get to me of such small minds. I can't I can't possibly envisage envisage it. It's fair, very fair. Um, all right then, cool. Um, now we've got a, a, an entry here that technically didn't know he's entered, uh, but I saw a picture that he posted up online, and I really do hope it's his. Um, for uh, everyone's favourite section uh, of the of the of the day, this entry here uh, for some uh, that is the the mountain with uh, Castle Rock. I think they're Castle Rock uh, Cavaliers. I think. Uh, sorry, like they're, they're, they're not to Castle Rock, but yeah. uh, they've had their helmets. Uh, they have had their helmets changed. Yeah. Um, only one picture. Uh, and if he's watching this back, or if he's watching now, he'll be like, "Oh, that's my thing." Hopefully. Uh, but yeah, this this entry here. Um, this is nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've seen <laughs> I've seen these a number of times. Uh, the, the, the color the color. Is enough to make to make to make the models Amazing. really 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 high high standard. The freehand on top is then just exceptional. You know the the freehand is a whole nother level. I uh, I hope to see them at the LGT. Hmm. I, 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 hope, I hope I hope that he runs attachment man uh, attachment clegade at the LGT because yeah. <laughs> you know. Models come first. They do. They really do. And I mean, I, I can give a shit how good is good or bad his list was. If you put that down on the field the field opposite me, I would take a moment to be like fair. Absolutely yeah, fair. Uh, I, I'm with Weasel, it is an absolutely nuts zero out of ten. Mm -hmm. That's like a zero point zero zero out of ten. That is, yeah, that is yeah, like yeah. A, absolute bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> um no, well well done, Chris. Uh, Chris Baker for that. Uh, Chris F and M online. Uh, absolutely fantastic painter. Um, honestly, it's people. I, I, I like I, I like that the sheer amount of work into the knights and onto Clegane himself wasn't enough. He needed a tree to also kind of uh, really, really just make the base pop. <laughs> there, there are times like this where you're like, 
uh, this inspires me to go painting and like do something nice. Uh, I painted a Lannister Guardsman I was particularly happy with on a base and was like, oh, that's cool. I've done that really well. And then I look back at this uh, and I'm like, ah, no, I'm still bad. <laughs> I'm still really not this good. Um, and Paul says it well in yeah, chat. Paul, yeah. Paul Spurgeon's got the right idea. This is actually uh, something over zero. Yeah. So basically infinity. A li limit tends to infinity. Yeah. Um, wow. Absolutely amazing. I would actually, I'd really like, uh, if Chris listens back, um, I would like him to post in Discord um, Clegane from the other angle so you can see more of his cloak mm. and see more of the free hand uh, on that cloak. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Awesome, awesome work. So, um, that does not quite conclude what I wanted to talk about. Ah, right, there it is. Uh, the other thing that uh, we wanted to talk about or I wanted to talk about, or we said we'd mention, uh, is there's been a lot of chat on the certainly the stats Discord about Mother of Dragons, um, Daenerys Targaryen, Mother of Dragons, and about how she, I don't know, props the faction up or something like that, or maybe she doesn't, maybe she wins games where she loses games. I think Carlo's going to say this relatively succinctly. Um, Am I? Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want her rating to change you'll have to submit data <laughs> yes there we go there we go classic stats uh, problem no, right it is it is weird the very few single results that she has are as good as ever yeah right <laughs> but like it's such a tiny amount of results she maintains still like a 60 75 percent win rate which is as good as she was in the 2021 patch before she got nerfed um but her play rate has fallen right back and very interestingly she already had an incredibly low play rate because she was um, a pariah like she, back then she was a pariah like i don't i never understood it like i never understand why people make people pariahs for playing top tier stuff um, she had this reputation which was way more than her actual effect, in my opinion, possibly because dragons were really uh, unfun for people of a certain skill level to play into. Um, and so uh, even before she got nerfed, she only had a 2% play rate. Uh, she was only 13% of the faction. She was not popular as a Targaryen choice. Um, and now she's almost non-existent. She was played four times in April. There is some discussion about maybe some results aren't being counted uh, in that roundup. Uh, she's her ELO will remain high as long as she maintains not losing games. Losing games requires her to play games as a start. Yeah. And some people do play her, and she barely ever loses. Interestingly, she's lost four of the last five, so she is falling slowly. Um, and Drogo is rising. Drogo is getting closer and closer and closer to her. Uh, he is now the third-rated commander, and he is 
almost definitely intertwined with what the reality if we look at drogo drogo himself will presumably um <laughs> account for like 60 something percent of 75 uh, Seventy-five percent of the recent Targaryen <laughs> pick are Drogo, right? So when you talk about Targs, you are effectively talking about Drogo. There is, there is no Targs without Drogo at the moment. That's um, actually that that is depressingly. Like, don't get me wrong. I know Mance is good, but Mance has a forty percent pick rate. Drogo has seventy-five. That that that's just nuts to me. That Drogo has such yeah. a stupidly high pick rate internally, internal faction. Um, so you know, like, um, yeah, she she's not doing anything to the Targaryen rankings. Uh, if you want, you know, just just ignore her. Pretend that she's not there when you consider the power levels of things. Uh, she's not because, to all intensive purposes, um, she's not there. I, I never expect to meet her in a tournament. I never expect to to to, to see her down the local club. Um, so, I mean, I, uh, I'm, uh, just, just don't worry about it. The, the numbers are there so that you can make your own choices. Um, and you can see quite clearly what her pick rate is, which is almost non-existent. It's 0.4% of all games that get submitted. You'd have to play 200 games before you ran into, uh, into Mother of Dragons. If Mother of Dragons is being played in your local area, then, um, I don't know. Let us know if you think that she's still good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just still still sat here being like seventy five percent win rates just seventy five percent pick rate is just Oh, it's just yeah. just... But only a forty percent but only a forty eight percent win rate. Yeah, yeah, like you know, the win rate's not that the thing, good. like perception perception and reality are are not always the same, right? It's just it's 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 you know what it is? It's actually frustrating. It's frustrating that there's a faction that's got a commander with such a absolutely ludicrous pick rate, but then isn't actually that good. Like that's actually what's frustrating is that people feel driven that they have to take this one thing, but it's well, not even. That, but, you know, like people maybe just feel driven that that he is enjoyable. You maybe, know, maybe, like, yeah, maybe. It might just be that, that he's not the thing that's winning is is possibly good. You know, it'd be worse. Yeah. I, I think it's worse with Mance. Like, I think Mance is more of a problem at forty percent because I believe yes. that people are driven to believe that Mance is the only thing that they can pick. Um, whereas Drogo shows that he's not necessarily like there's this perception that people think he's powerful. There's perception that people like his cards because he's aggressive. Um, and he really fits the faction in general. Yeah. So that he doesn't get, like, that he doesn't win tournaments is probably for the best, right? Like, you don't want the most popular thing to also be the most dominant thing because then you only ever see the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, I agree that we're, like Mance, Mance having a higher win rate and higher faction pack rate. I just, I still think that, I still think that there should be, you shouldn't have one commander pick 75% of the time in a faction. I just don't think that's a good, healthy statistic. Like... It means that the other commanders are just not seen as either interesting 
or playable. And that's a bad thing. Well, I think their non-playability is because they're not cavalry commanders and the deck the deck and the unit selection all favor a cavalry commander. Right, but then why isn't Jorah picked at all? Because like, Jorah solo is the best thing inside the Targaryens. Yeah. So it is a power level question, though, isn't it? Basically, it is still comes back down to a power level thing. Whereas it yeah, feels like better to run Jorah. Uh, why don't we go and have a look at Jorah's pick rate in 2021? Yep. Jorah commander or NCU. Jorah commander. It'd be horrifically low. I imagine because him is a. Uh, he's not anywhere near the top. Where is he? He's right down here nowadays. Hang on. 54. It'll be probably quite low because, as you say, the NCU. Uh, 4%, 5% inside faction. Yeah. Yeah. He's as low now as. You know, he got played 92 times for a year. Right, because his NCU was dominant, and this is exactly the same thing, which is Jor uh, Jorah. Goddamn moments, all with the same name. I will. Jorah is more popular. Yeah. But his his solo appears in so many lists that that he his commander doesn't offer enough to make you move away from Drogo if what you want to play is cavalry. Yeah. So if you, what you want to play is cavalry, you only have one choice of commander in reality. I do think the jaw thing is a bit more twisted though, because obviously you had awful back then, which was like ridiculous pick rate uh, inside Night's Watch, right? Um, not because it had nothing to do with jaw necessarily, but uh, Nothel as a commander was just nuts. <laughs> so, whereas I don't actually think Drogo yeah. as a commander is that strong. You see what I'm saying? Um, it just might be the only option, as you say. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, uh, yeah. so anyway, Mother of Dragons, uh, she will maintain her rating up until the point where you... Play games. This this, this comes back to this thing, which I, I say I say quite a bit, right? Like, and I really, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to be inflammatory with it. I'm not trying to piss people off, right? The stats don't care about your feelings. Like, they don't care what you think. All the stats can do is interpret the results you give it. It doesn't make any opinions about stuff. All it says is, I have this result. I'll turn it into a rating. And if you don't give it any results, it can't form a new opinion. I understand why people particularly, you know, don't want to use MOD because they think that she's overrated, right? Like, there is a negative to that understand that and that also might stop people from submitting results with her um that is intended by the way not particularly that you don't submit with that you don't submit with mod because she's overrated you're just not supposed to want to submit and play with the commanders who are the best in the game Mm -hmm. right that is intended that is on purpose people just ignore that fact when what they want to play is something overpowered and as soon as it's not overpowered, it, they become obsessed with the fact that this thing's got a high rating and that they'll lose points, right? It's uh, it's a very interesting uh, psychology thing. But that effect was always in play in the past, but people ignored it. Um, and now, now it's overwhelmingly that they don't want to play it because of that. That's the response that you get when I say, uh, well, just play her and her stats will change. Um, 
also, you know, people clearly just not interested in her, even though I think personally she is way more interesting. Obviously, Craig, Craig's, um, <laughs> Craig's protest continues, continues to this day. The energy and work that he puts into it is obviously um, actually surprising. Like, some days even I can't be bothered to read the post anymore. It's been going on for that long, so I applaud him for keeping it up. Thing is, is that there are a lot of interesting other dragons and dragon builds that you can build now. She has become a more interesting commander. She is definitely not as strong as she was, but that doesn't mean she's not more interesting and that there aren't way more kind of creative builds that you can make with her um, that don't field all three dragons. Um, it does feel like they, to me, I've said it multiple times, but that they should have taken away her two VP uh, costing because uh, when she dies, because that almost exclusively is always linked to cost reduction in unit. Joffrey yeah. gives up two VPs because what he gives you is Kingsguard unit, which should cost more points. And it gives it to you for six. Mother of Dragons gives up two VPs because she used to give you three points of cost reduction in her dragon army. Now she doesn't, but she kept that two-point like hangover. I think that's uh, partly a problem. Paul mm -hmm. um, um, asks about a decaying parameter. Yeah, I mean, I thought about implementing it at one point in the past. Uh, it didn't, it, it, it's, it would be difficult to get right. Um, it's not a no, but if I people just this. played it, then it wouldn't be necessary. <laughs> like, I can, I can imagine it's a horrible, horrible piece of code for you to write. Well, it's, it's not the code. I mean, like, it's like, and the maths, I mean. Yeah, yeah, like, the, yeah. The, the maths would be entirely untested. Like, the damage it could do to the system is way more than the improvement it would make, make to the system, right? And it's all... And it would all be... This is the thing it always... It would all be to make the system conform more to what you think it should say, right? But the system just says what it says, and you should learn to interpret that for its strengths and its flaws. Uh, its flaws are when something is very, very unused. In this case, this is a very high-profile single case of something is very, very high-rated, but now nobody wants to play it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it's also very similar to, um, you know, like this. This whole discussion, of course, was had about awful. Awful was the number one-rated thing in the game. Awful got highly nerfed, right? And everybody, not everybody, a vocal minority were outraged that I didn't reset every commander in the game's rankings because Awful had been nerfed. And they were telling me that the whole thing was now a pointless because Awful was still number one rated, even though he wasn't winning. Well, he's not anymore. He's number six. People have basically forgotten about him because he's not the number one rated Night's Watch commander anymore. And he's falling 
and all it took was 48 games across the whole season since season one and he's showing that he only has a 40 percent win rate now and he is falling down the rankings he's not the sixth best commander in the game in my opinion he's not the second best night's watch commander he is trending towards the place that he wants to be if people submitted with him more he would get there faster but Everybody was outraged or a vocal minority were outraged that he could maintain number one status after being nerfed. And it's exactly the same. Like people's focus is now just on MOD because MOD has remained there. Yep. But all the submissions currently indicate that there's no reason why MOD shouldn't be there because she maintains one of the highest win rates in the entire game. She may not get fielded almost at all but she is still winning 60 to 75% of all our games. So the stats say she's one of the best things there are. You may not agree, but the stats don't care. I like how, uh, you know, we always know that neutral's play rate is not good. Um, so usually, like, I mean, <laughs> Vargo... You'd almost argue that Vargo doesn't have enough data to analyze. Uh, almost, you know, you could actually argue that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, um, that is even worse. Jesus, these are bad commanders, right? These are bad commanders. They are playing games, they're losing games, and they're just consistently losing. It is crazy to think, crazy to think, Carlo. We've finally done it. Tywin is no longer the worst commander in the game. Because neutrals are just still fucking awful. I mean, um, that that's rough, isn't it? Neutrals neutrals have four commanders, and they currently make up four of the bottom five. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Ramsey. <laughs> it, it, it is, uh, it is, wow, we're getting, Ram, Ramsey's brought the spam, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, and and Belarus says uh, people are prioritizing their ELO and shying away from awful MOD. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, I'll not lie to you. That for me is great news. That is exactly what the system wants you to do. The system wants you to not want to play the best stuff. Yeah. The system fails every time somebody enters double mounts into a tournament because that's a person saying, I know this is the best thing I can field. I know that this will basically impede my ranking and um, I will not earn anywhere near as many points as I could otherwise. I will bring it anyway. And no matter how good my opponent is, no matter what they've brought, they could have brought a really low-rated thing. They could be a really low-rated player. I'm going to ignore all of that and I'm just going to try and stomp them with the best thing in the game. Right? So that is why the system is built the way it is. If people understood it more and cared more about their ELO, then you would see a much more varied tournament entry. Mm-hmm. Um, you would see people fielding mid-level commanders way more often just because they think that they're cool or they think that they have a great combo. Um, and I think that that would be for the benefit. Um, it could. You know, I could, I, 
I, I could make it more penalizing. But I don't think that's the problem. The problem is, is that people don't care enough about their ELO. Um, if they cared more, then they would use lower-rated stuff more. Um, and that would create a healthier competitive environment in my eyes. Definitely, definitely is a problem, though, as Tom says, a little bit. If you're going to win the, if you're going to win the tournament, why not run the best things? Um, if that's the the goal is to win the event, which people put a lot of onus on, um, including you know, including people here, um, then why not try and win the best things that give you the best chance of doing so? You know, that always comes back to it, unfortunately. Um, which I do agree. I do agree. Uh, for events, that's always going to be an issue. But that is again why. You shouldn't just record. Everyone here knows, right? You shouldn't just record event games. You should try and record casual games as well. Um, and it, those casual games that you record will mean, you know, you're bringing double months to things like a, a casual Friday night game. Ah, you really? Is that really? Is that really what you want to be doing to the system? Because that's not, as as Carlo points out, that's not really the same kind of thing at all. Um, but yeah, people should be incentivized. Um, and yeah, Tom's also right a little bit. The stats points is just a measuring stick to watch out for uh, somebody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jesse also points out there's no real incentive to care about your ELO. There will be one day, Jesse. I mean, what what can I give you, Jesse? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I I, I, I give you I, I I give you what I can, which is. You know, we talk about the people doing well, you know, speaking of which, we should probably mention Mikael in a minute, but like, yeah. you know, like, I think that it gives you, um, it gives you what I can give you, which is it gives you community recognition. Um, I think there are definitely people out there who do care about their ELO. Um, I think that um, there are people who care about other people's ELO, right? That they, that they put a lot of stock into uh, the quality of other players based on that number. Um, uh, I, I care about my ELO, you know, like I I, I do in, in, a, in a roundabout sense, right? Like I care about, I. it's interesting because I understand ELO in its broadest sense. I, I don't care about my rating at any given one point. Uh, I care that it's going up in general because uh, I know that uh, in general, the system will continue to go up and uh, and I want to be towards the top of it. I want to, uh, but I'm willing to take. Uh, I'm willing to take a dip and a loss and play things that I'm unfamiliar with, uh, because I know that ELO changes are very temporary. If you play regularly, then ELO, the personal ELO, can swing wildly, um, and um, effectively, like you could lose and gain 100 points in a matter of a week, right? So if what that did was losing four games on the bounce and then winning five or six games on the bounce, after you learnt a new list, learnt a new commander, learnt a new faction, if at the end of that you're a better player, then I think that that's way, way more important than just every single game you go into it thinking, I must protect my ELO, right? Like, so I want... I, I strive for a high ELO as a representation that I'm performing well at the moment, but I never consider myself trying to protect it. I never think I must play a high-rated commander because if I lose this game, I will lose ELO and that's the end of the world. Um, 
I see it as over a period of like the next 10 games, if I play low rated stuff and I pick up like seven out of 10 wins, then that's better than if I just played top rated stuff and picked up eight wins or even nine wins because uh, that's actually how the system works. And overall, those seven wins will do better for me um, if I'm picking really, really low rated stuff. So that's what I look to do. And more importantly, the low rated stuff, hopefully, are things that I'm learning and improving with, challenging myself and playing harder and closer games, uh, winning less of those games in tougher situations are more and more opportunities to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also it's also a, a, an important factor, though, that, you know, you've got to be playing people of, you know, if you're, certainly if you're very high or vice versa, very low rated. Um, very low rated, there's actually a lot less risk. If you're very highly rated, even picking one of the worst commanders in the game, playing into somebody who is uh, below average, in the nicest possible sense, it's not really worth your time if you're going to pick the best stuff in the game. Like it actually just isn't worth your time if you're going to you're the better player by some margin and you're picking the best stuff. The game for your ELO is almost worthless. So you're not even protecting your ELO really. You're you're not even gaining. Um, you might as well play something less good to at least get something from the game if you're looking at ELO, um, and it makes the game fairer. Like that's the whole point. Um, and plus, if you do randomly lose one of those games, you will lose so many points that you will probably never game them back by playing that one player uh, with your mm-hmm. best stuff in, in over the long run. So play weaker stuff. Um, it's it's beneficial but also look for players you know encourage people to report all their games because then you get a much better feel for where you're all at and if you're playing in a closed group so i know uh howard said this earlier he can't get his group to report games in the first place if your group only plays other player players in the group howard majority of time that's actually the best time to record games because what that is is a closed circuit your elo doesn't leave those players let's say it's five players you trade games, you give each other ELO backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. In all those experimental lists, all of that ELO stays in those five players. It's just distributed differently. The beauty of that being is that when you then go elsewhere, players who probably are rated in your group lower than they maybe should be, then go to tournaments and beat people who are rated better than them they gain ELO, so at the end of the... I mean, it's one of the things that me and Carlo actually look at at the end of an event is, has, for us, Durham Wargames group gained ELO over the weekend? Because if me and Carlo know that Durham Wargames group has gained ELO over the weekend, first of all, that is a brilliant result for our club. Our club has outperformed where it should have done. And second of all, there's more points for us in our closed loop! Hey! Uh, and so the people we play most with, there's more points to grab. Um, so you're actually way more beneficial. Like, honestly, me and Carlo, uh, Carlo more extent because he simply owns more stuff physically, we will run way more like experimental lists on a Friday night testing with people that we usually play against than we potentially would in an event or to some extent online as well. Um, simply because there's nothing to lose really it doesn't doesn't really matter if you lose a game to someone you play every week not important um so yeah it's uh it's a thing 
it's certainly in closed groups. If you did the group, definitely, definitely beneficial. Um, um, Paul's got a few questions. So yeah. firstly, uh, would adding a confidence interval to the rating uh, for the commanders, very specifically, he says, help understand, help, help understanding of the commander ratings. So to answer that specific question, the answer is categorically no. Um, and by that, I mean, if we were doing a full statistical analysis, if I was trying to prove to you analytically whether or not one thing was better than the other, absolutely, I would determine its confidence interval. I would be able to tell you what percentage chance is that this has happened by chance versus what percentage this is definitely a real effect which we've observed, all these things. Is that going to help people understand? No, not at all, because they already don't even understand what I show them. So I don't think that a confidence interval is going to help anybody other than the people who already are very high level statistician mathematicians, right? Most people don't know what a confidence interval is, uh, or it would just be another thing that I would endlessly have to explain how and what it means. Uh, whereas I, uh, you know, I, I think that it, it's a lot of work for not a lot of improved in understanding. Um, then followed up with, should there be a difference uh, between casual and between competition games and experimental casual games? I have always maintained right from the very start of the creation of the site and actually much two years ago, like how long has the site been going now? Is it two and a half years? Um, um, it's about way three. Back it's about three. To the initial release of the site and the initial growth of the site. Yeah. There was huge pushback to the idea that I claim that all games are equal. That you do not have to play in a tournament for it to be a worthwhile game. If I play Mickey at the club, why is that game less important than when I play him on literally the top table of the tournament weekend after? They are the same game. We might play totally different lists. We might play totally different commanders. But those things can be measured and are already accounted for. If we choose to play less competitive commanders, less competitive factions, and play much more experimental things, then they are accounted for in the, in the uh, calculation anyway. But the difference in the game, you may believe that you have a mindset difference. And, and, and I will actually, you know, I believe that I have a mindset difference, which is, is that I believe that I play better in tournaments than I do uh, on, a, on a casual weeknight. But it, making the system exclusive to tournaments, I believe, is incredibly elitist. And I believe that it's incredibly uh, exclusionary um, and, and creates like a barrier that doesn't need to be there um, to follow on to that. Um, um, Juarez, whether or not you can submit results, and you can. It's you, you can submit any result, not in a tournament, just using that send a challenge button. So you just challenge another player and it becomes a full result. It's no different than if you played in, uh, in a tournament. St. Carlo challenge there for random game mode. Is 100% going to decline it because I'm sad. Um, but yeah, so you can just send a challenge out. It's literally that easy. 
and then you'll go through you can accept it we can show people that if people want to but uh it's <laughs> it's really not hard um and yeah it's it's the elitist side you know um we want to avoid and there isn't really a difference between a game okay there are rules differences there are things like interpretive differences which we could discuss at length you know in terms of how people play but the general core concepts of the game don't change between anybody playing um you know no one's saying a maneuver is where you you know pick the unit up and put it wherever you want on the board and <laughs> that's what i get to do each round and it's like yeah no one does mm-hmm. um so as a result like every game of a song ice and fire is effectively equal uh there is no as he said no difference between top table of the biggest uh, convention in the world the lgt for example right there is no difference between the top table of the lgt and two people playing on their kitchen table as their third game of a song of ice and fire they've ever played um there is no difference there are differences in terms of how people play there's differences in skill levels there's other differences outside of the game itself to do with the players and to do with the you know the quality of the list building the metas and things like that but the game is still a relevant piece of information um and actually anyone who says it's not is just perpetuating this idea somehow that their games are more important than anyone else's which is actually a big thing that me myself and carlo have had a massive uh bone to pick with players and with people in the community before where people put a lot of onus and pressure on a particular thing and say ah but he did this or he did that and it's like yeah but he doesn't do that all the time and so it's it's just a one-off it's just a flash in the pan yes praise him for the moment but like just because someone does well with that one thing that one time doesn't mean they can replicate it against other good players yeah jesse i mean like there there is there is the stipulation as long as people are actually playing the right rules uh or the right cards or something like that that is also one of the requirements that that is one of the reasons why i have the flat out requirement that people must submit their lists and they must use the stats builder because at the very least it hopefully means that people are aware of what the current rules are or aware of what the current like unit abilities are if you get them wrong on the day if you don't check a card or a change but like you can't miss that a unit has changed its pricing for example um and um and to to paul history lesson a long time ago the worst decision i ever made was to allow people to submit like they 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 submitted unranked results right um i allowed them to submit results but not basically claim that they were casual um and it created uh it created a lot of problems uh it really does um for a start the overwhelming majority of people will just default to that it becomes this um it it, it creates this expectation that there is uh if it's not going to be the norm shall we say the norm becomes that it's an unranked result and then people are like really serious about any kind of result where a player says that they want to play rated instead right um this and uh, also this is an ancient version of the site where on the left is we have a 
players had two different rankings at the same time. Uh, one was their on-table of table rating, and the other one was their TTS rating. This was only done because um, there was huge pushback when I first started trying to create a TTS tournament. Um, when I tried to run the world's very first TTS tournament for the game, people said that they would not enter unless I created a new ranking structure for TTS-only play because TTS was such a wildly different game. Um, and uh, and I, I felt that was very sad. I was very, very pleased the day which I made sweeping changes to the site and got rid of all of those things. Casual games were no longer allowed to be submitted. Uh, TTS and tabletop rankings were merged into one. You now just have a player ranking. I personally believe that the top eight, the top 10, the top 100, they represent players that play on TTS. People that play on, t some of them play only exclusively on TTS, a very few, few of them. Some of them, a larger amount, only play in person. The vast majority of these people play in both. Um, and it makes for a much healthier ranking structure. It makes for a much healthier discussion about the site in general. It makes for a much healthier interaction with the ranking structure when people are no longer thinking that somebody's a tryhard if they want to play a ranked game, uh, because every game will provide information about what your ranking is. You don't need to be active of it. You don't need to be exclusive about it. Uh, you also, I know it can be hard for some people, but you also need to not get upset about it if it's not as high as you want it to be. Um, just, it, it, I could only say, just accept that the players above you are better. I want to be number one. I need to accept that I am currently not number one. And, and I just take that as a fact. You know, I know other people don't believe in the ranking structure as much as me, but I take for a fact that the people above me are playing better than I am right now. And so if I want to be the best player, I don't point at it and say, this is why it's wrong, this is, this is whatever. I just say, those people are better. I should play against them. I should practice against them. I should learn from them, from them learn how to beat them. And, uh, and, and I think that going back to the discussion about the non-tournament games versus tournament games, a huge amount of the interaction, particularly on TTS, between the top players and for the active TTS players, there is a lot of interaction. Mikael will play top 10 players continuously. That interaction could not happen at a tournament. The amount that Mikael plays other high-level players would be one or two at best rounds of a big event happening every few months. And instead, Mikael can play and submit and gain and lose ranking points five days of the week against other top 10 players. And so it's very, very important. It's a very much more um, computer game mindset than tabletop mindset, right? Like if you try to tell somebody who played League of Legends or something like that, right, that only ranking going in some kind of major event would count, then they would say, well, how am, I, how am I supposed to get a good ranking in the first place if I don't want to attend these tournaments? They would say that's a, like a payment barrier or an exclusivity barrier between me being able to ever get good. Uh, so I, I, I think that it, it, is, it is alien to some people who aren't like 
competitive computer game players. Uh, but to those who do play competitive computer games, um, it's it's just normal. I have nothing to add. Craig asks, what, what can I learn from you, Mickey? Uh... <laughs> what can you learn from me? 12, 12, 12 worth is what I can learn, clearly. Now, what I can learn from Mickey is uh, that my anti-free folk list in Greyjoys can be better. I, I was actually surprised. I, know, I saw it play on Friday night. I knew he had this kind of like anti-list. I know we spoke about it earlier. I played into it with a list that self-profess anyone who just checks my online games will know that that's not the list I would like to play anymore. And I didn't actually feel like the list was that oppressive to beat. Um, I won't say it was a nice game. It wasn't a nice game for me. Carlo did outplay me. I made some mistakes that he punished really hard. He did beat me fair and square by being a better player on the day. But he beat me by being a better player, not by his list being a teched list to beat mine. Um, at least that's how it felt. So, you know, um, I would never say though that Carlo's worse than me. This is just because I play more games than Carlo, and I have the more opportunity to go up than Carlo at the moment. I, that's all. I know. I mean, I, I would, uh, I, I, I believe that I'm on the uptick of a downslide, uh, which is I've been, I've been struggling with Greyjoys. Uh, I've been struggling to find the right lists, the right stuff. Uh, I put a lot of faith in Victorian uh, in Victorian attachment to begin with, and I'm starting to move away from her. I don't like him as much as I used to. I, I favor I favor paying one more point to have a full twelve wound unit on the board instead. Um, I think that without boldness and courage, relentless is questionably worth three points and is pretty much uh, not not the best thing that you can buy in a faction that has great four-point unit options. So, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I consider myself in the middle of a learning period, you know, I uh, and I think and I hope that when I come out the other side of the learning period that I will be able to say I'm once again better than Mickey. I will hope that I can uh, I can put myself... I am, interestingly, uh, this whole discussion, we were going to say, you know, Mikael has been doing... Uh, has been on an absolute tear recently. Um I mean, is he on like a twenty-game win streak? There was one draw. We could add them up, though. Like, I mean, he hasn't lost in a long time. Fifteen-game win streak. Fifteen-game win streak. There we go. Recent performance has absolutely driven him from being in amongst the top ten to being the standout number one player in the world right now. And you can you can say your ranking system means nothing, but to me he is standout, the best performing player. He is playing on TTS continuously against anybody who will play him. He is playing a mid-rated faction. He is not bringing the best possible list out there. He is bringing the best list he can for his own faction, bringing the best list he can for a given commander. That's just a given. Right. And we're going to have to come back to that, Jesse, because you are flat out wrong. And please stop repeating that statement. Um, 
he is on an absolute tear and he's doing it with something mediocre. It's different than if he were playing with the number one rated thing. He would be nowhere near 50, 60 points above number two, more than 100 points higher than number three. You'll notice if you go 100 points down from three, you've got like probably like the next 50 players. It's the, 14. Mikel isn't... It's not impressive that Mikel is number one. It's impressive that Mikel... It's not even impressive that Mikel has broken 2,000. It's impressive that he is so far ahead of the rest of the pack right now because that is uh, showing that he is performing incredibly well. So, and interestingly, he plays Greyjoys, so there is a ton for me to learn from Mikel. Um, so that's uh, that, that's that's where the interest is for me right now. Uh, having a look at what Mikel is doing. To come back to Jesse's point, Jesse, just, just for anybody who doesn't see the statement, Jesse says, people that play all the time will always be at the top. That, I, 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 without going into a whole load of graphs and maths and stuff like that, it is factually not true. That is a lie. Like, not even just like, uh, you know, <laughs> a mis misinterpretation. If you look players who play high amounts, they are generally higher rated. And that is because they are more experienced and they are generally better players. Playing more, I have to be very, very clear about this. And I want to be very, very clear about this because it is the fundamental backbone of what ELO is. Playing more is of no advantage in an ELO system. There is a minimum bar, yeah. an amount that you must submit to prove that you are more than average, right? Like winning one game can only bring you at most like 40 points above your starting average position. Mm -hmm. If you won 20 games in a row from nothing, you could be the world's number one rated player. If you beat the top 10 players repeatedly in crushing wins, for like 20 wins in a row, you could get to 2,000 relatively easily. If it was and not against, only would yeah. you have gotten there, you would have brought, and brought the top 10 players all down by about 100 points in the process. Yeah. If you think that playing 20 games ever is an unreasonable barrier to proving that somebody's top 10, then, then there's nothing we can do because any less than that, and we can't really make any judgments as to whether or not it was like one random occurrence or whether or not a person is reliably and repeatedly good. I do think that there's obviously there is a point which is aside from actual like ranking, but um, your ranking has more chance to change if you play more games. And if people and this is there is there is an argument that says if you have a very high win rate, what you can see is you can see someone climb and split apart from the pack, if you will, if there's a pack of people, you can see someone climb. Because that is their win rate with the positives. But then what you would expect, because you have no idea where on the curve you're seeing that, right? But then you, what you're actually saying is their 
skill hasn't gone up. I'm predicting that their skill hasn't gone up. So within the next five games, I'm expecting them to lose and come back down again. That's actually the thing, is that if you expect, if, if their win rate, if their ELO is going up, it means their win rate is going up. They're almost directly correlated, not quite, but almost definitely. Therefore, if they if you've seen them on the upward curve, it might just be that they're you've missed the down curve. They haven't hit the downs just yet, or they're just a better player and their ELO deserves to be higher. Um, you can get a 20, 30 point difference with other players in roughly the same skill area. So things like Podwiss or even myself and to some extent Carlo breaking away from people outside the top 10. That's possible to do with just where on the performance curve you happen to be after the last couple of games. To be 100 points up a people requires your curve to be just better than everyone else's. So, like, a 50-point break, manageable, but the only player, he's not played Podwiss, and he's not even got a, he's got a 50-point break from Podwiss, and, 50, and Podwiss is 50 points above that. So, I mean, a 100-point break's just not possible unless he's better than people. So, you know, basically, yeah, and not better than the average player. Yeah. We're talking if it was, better than the rest of the top ten. If it was twenty points, then the argument of he plays more games and so his fluctuations are more often. I wouldn't say that it's true. It's nothing to do with the games he's played, but you could argue that he's on a fluctuation of a high run at the moment, and then he's gonna have a low run and he'll drip back down. But that doesn't happen that often. Um, so yeah. Tom Tyler the, uh, the winter the winter result is in and uh, and it's caused it's caused a change in the top ten. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, I mean uh, as uh, and and you'll see and you see right there, right? You've got a good player playing a really low rated faction um, and beating number two in the world, and he's just dropped forty points, right? If you that is what is always on the line. If you could earn 40 points 10 times over by beating players like Podwiss with neutrals, right? And you'd catapult yourself to number one in about 15 games, right? But do you really think that you're good enough to beat top 10 in the world with neutrals 15 times in a row? If not, then you're going to have to play more games to prove that you're good like I, I i don't i don't really know what people's expectation are right like do they expect to win one tournament with four games and then say well i should be world number one right now well no because other people i mean you know look at this top 10 they've all won tournaments they've all practically all won repeated tournaments back-to-back -to -back tournaments yeah winning tournaments is, is not, not a measure of, of of well I'm well I'm a top ten player in the world because there are ten tournaments a week there are ten players a week who win a tournament so what we need is we need to um, we need to look at the, the the quality of opponents the quality of I mean you can look at Masara you can look at the amount of events that he wins according to the ranking system he's a good player but not a great player. Because winning re repeated tournaments of very small size does not show anything significant. 
I'm trying to see where the lowest rated tournament winner is actually, because it's just uh, nothing to point them out as a player. But I'm actually just curious. Um... And, and and Jesse, you know, you say you say twenty games is like four months worth of games, right? I mean, it is for me too, right? I, uh, I generally play two-ish games a week, right? But I don't always get to get play those two-ish games every week. Um, so you know we're on we're on roughly that kind of time scale. Are you saying that you should be able to prove you're the world number one in less than four months? I find that odd because you know also presumably that includes not going to tournaments unless what you're saying is that you're going to go to three tournaments or four tournaments over four months, and winning those four tournaments will make you the world number one. Uh, it, it's it, it's i think I, I get frustrated by this whole discussion because i think that people don't give i mean forget the ranking structure in general right and that it's you know forget the idea and concept just try and imagine that i'm a person talking about the site rather than the person who created the site people don't give credit to the people who have high ratings will they don't appreciate the amount of wins and the high quality play that they make because people always assign skill to their own success and luck to other people's success. That is like just a known phenomena. So I think that it's never going, if, if you always just point at the high rated players and say they're high rated pause and the next thing out of your mouth isn't they're a great player then um you'll never trust or believe in a ranking structure of any kind fair. that's pretty damning but also fair you know i found him by the way i found our lowest rated tournament winner okay um, just out of curiosity, because I was curious. He's in at 1711th position, uh, called CMC Maru, and I'm guessing he's Indonesian Polish. or Polish? Just Polish, right, that one? Is he Polish? He must be Polish. There's, there's an event every week in Poland. He's Polish. Yeah, that is Polish. That's right. I don't know why I was saying Indonesian. Uh, and he has a ranking of 1423. So he is technically, uh, for what the ranking would suggest, at 1500. He is a below average player. Um, and that's not a comment on his skill. It's just what the rank <laughs> That is literally I mean, a comment a on comment is still. skill. But... Um, but that is what this is, the site would project, that he is a below average player. Um, and he still won an event, you know, which says everything. Uh, you can still win events. Uh, winning events is not the same thing as being amazing. Um, although, congratulations for him for winning an event, because that was probably quite hard, you know, quite a good event, I hope, for him. I really hope he enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, there we go. I, I can't believe. Well, that's it. Tom's playing you or Jacob in the final of uh, of the TTS Invitational. So that'll be exciting. Uh, yeah. We'll find out next week which one it is. Um, yeah. It'll be uh, it'll be super interesting. In fact. Um, 
very very interesting indeed uh, i guess we'll find out how that all uh that all pans out um yeah we'll see so uh the people taking the slot now right now podwis is out uh it's either going to be jacob or tom mm -hmm. taking it interesting 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 hmm after i beat jacob i better think about how i beat neutrals now ah neutrals are easy it's fine Ah, <laughs> uh, dear right should we call it there absolutely i mean that's been uh, a classic a classic color rant about uh, all People. the things that uh all the things that are wrong with the world <laughs> oh that was a piece of news we forgot Oh yeah, Mikel, you will drop fast. Trust me. I've been watching your ELO going mm, juicy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been really trying to find a time to play Mikel. I think uh, I actually, I he was a he was at nineteen ninety or something like that. Nineteen. I, I really hope they. First of all, I hope they get to the twenty twenty two. I really like him to get seven more ranking points. Uh, ever since, ever since he got to post two thousand. I just feel like every time I look at it, that it's a year um, <laughs> rather than rather than a ranking. Uh, also, when he was just under 2K, I actually really wanted to play him myself. Wanted him to either I wanted to either stop him or be the person to let him get it. <laughs> but uh, I missed that opportunity. Um, uh, so now I just have to try and uh, be the person who drags him back down under 1900 if uh, me and him can find a time for a game. That's the gauntlet being thrown down. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, I just look at people at the top going, mm, juicy, juicy, juicy. ELO, ELO, ELO. Uh, but yeah, cool. Um, so, the uh, event's happening this week then. Tomorrow, there's an event happening in uh, Podvale in Roklaw, Poland. Uh, where would we be without a Polish event happening? Not even a weekend anymore. Literally just at random times of the day on random days of the week. Um, so yeah, hope that event in Poland goes really well tomorrow. Um, the Italian National Championship is happening this weekend. It's fully signed up for. Everyone's attending. Hopefully it will go ahead and hopefully it will be great. Um, so we'll see. Whoops. I mean, uh, supposedly we might have our first World 2023 qualifier off the back of that. Yep. Um, we will also definitely 100%. I mean, going back to what I can do for you, I can't make you famous or give you make you a millionaire, but I can give you an invitational spot. So hopefully I can tell you they the, the Italian national winner may or may not be earning a world spot. That I can't give, but I can give an invite to the, uh, the LGT invitational. Uh, so uh, we'll find out there. Um, what uh, what that is and uh, who who will be added to the uh, exclusive 16-player tournament that will be happening at the LGT. Hopefully, they'll be able to make it uh, over. Um, and on the Invitational in general, uh, we are at about 12 spots have been given out of the 16. I will be doing an update and checking in on all those players, making sure they can all still make it, and also be looking at uh, maybe a few more European players and their previous results, uh, hopefully send out some invites. So don't forget that if you have particular tournament results, particularly big events run on the site that are coming up or that have been run and you would like to extend an invitation to the winner, 
you are the winner and you would like to be invited to the invitational, then do reach out to me, um, you know, and uh, final final spots will go soon because we don't want to be inviting people just a couple of weeks before the event, of course, to try and make any kind of travel plans. Yep. Cool. Um, so that's the Italian National Championship. Uh, do check up on that. Uh, I'm going to definitely be looking at like, what the split down is for factions, find out a little bit more about the Italian, Italian region in terms of factions. We have uh, another event happening on Saturday. This is in Lublin, Poland. Uh, best of luck there. We've got an event happening in Northampton this weekend. Um, that's happening at Kingdom Gaming. Um, really hope that event goes well. Uh, just a one-dayer. Um, yeah, that, I hope that really goes well, actually. Uh, we've got the Sunday Slaughter National uh, Qualifier happening this weekend as well, which I'll no doubt be following along and um, and seeing as well. So lots of Song of and Fire that actually, like, leads to something you know with the italian nationals you're gonna have an italian champion for the first time properly you're gonna have someone going to lgt um sunday slaughter is gonna have national qualifiers you know uh, lots of kind of like impactful results happening there um there's also happening a song of fire tournament in um, ontario canada in misagua um We've got another one in Sacramento at Honey Badger Games happening over the weekend as well, which is fantastic. Um, and another event happening in Sandy in Utah, US, in Salt Lake. Um, that's awesome. 30 point. Love it. Keep going. Uh, there's an event happening in Ostrek. That's next weekend, though. We won't go on to that. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven and a half, if we count the... Uh, Russian one there, or Polish one, sorry. Um, seven and a half events happening this week. Um, it's good. Lots of events. We seem to be consistently hitting that seven uh, event across the world mark now, um, pretty much week in, week out. So uh, that's great to see. Um, any final words, Carlo? Um, I am <laughs> really looking forward genuinely really really looking forward to italian nationals and uh because because it's not just italians playing it is you know some italians went over to spain recently and now the spanish french they're heading over in a small number over to italian nationals um i think that that's a really interesting mix particularly because the italians don't play on tts much and so it's very very interesting to find out where their where their standing is um versus some of the names that we see playing more regularly is mikhail going no 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 mikhail but uh, a lot of uh regular uh spanish names um Asia, um we've seen I just before realized um, they've revealed the lists <laughs> oh wow i've just realized what's, uh, what, what's the uh faction entries Oof. <laughs> a lot of barras that's starks targaryens night's watch barras and then yeah, there great, are great joy basically four folk. factions. <laughs> wow, cool. Um, wow. Yeah, we will. Uh, I'll be I'll be following along over next weekend to that and Sunday Slaughter, which I still just think is you know the the premier active club uh, out of the US. I know you know like uh, they 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 probably get they get plenty enough recognition accolades these days. Um, but you know I think that that'll be a real melting pot of a good talent and uh, a qualifier to watch that the people coming out of that will be real um 
real contenders to win US nationals. It'll be a real uh, testing ground for what might happen uh, later on at Gen Con. Hmm. Uh, a quick reminder, um, there is the Pontypool uh, GT happening uh, in July. Uh, just a quick shout out for them. I know that uh, Scabman was on the other week, uh, but just another shout out to their event. Really hope that goes well. Um, and also a shout out to the Leeds group who managed to get a, it's gone up to a 30 player event in Leeds, which is going to look amazing, hopefully at the start of June. Um, only three rounds uh, for 32 players, it hopefully will be, which is, uh, you know, not necessarily what you, the, the best combination of things. Um, but the, the response to that event has been amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And Paul, who uh, who runs the event, um, is a fantastic guy. I've met him a couple of times now uh, and had the pleasure to play against him. Um, and it's really nice to know that there's another scene happening in the UK, uh, which will bring, you know, fresh blood into the game. Um, so, yeah. And I also wanted to give a bit of a shout out, uh, shout out as well to what hopefully will be an emerging group in York, uh, which is not far from us at all as well. Um, it sounds like they might be getting some more players, hopefully invested in the game and some, some stuff happening around there in the future, I hope. So um, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in on another Monday. Um, I'm tired. I'm probably going to not look at footage. I'm probably going to write some more assignment stuff and go to bed. Uh, Carlo's probably going to put a German national banner on yeah, the Yeah, look out for the German national banner and the German <laughs> national official national tournament, which was announced the other week and is up on the site uh, Ju July, June. July? July. It, it's up towards the top of, uh, top of the tournaments. Um, yeah, keep an eye out for that because that's great news uh, that they did manage to like finalize having uh, having an event end yep. of July, July 30th. Uh, so, yeah, let's look out for that. It'll be good stuff all around. Yep. Fantastic. And as always, guys, it's been a pleasure. I wish you all the best of luck in your games this week, except Jacob. Uh, no luck for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll see you all next week. Take it easy. Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth? <laughs>